following radio programs are original broadcasts. While enhancements have been made to the audio for clarity and listener enjoyment, no other edits or modifications have been made. The listener may hear advertisements and notices for tobacco products, alcohol, food, and or services that may no longer be available, nor are they endorsed by whose blind life is it anyway. Listener discretion is advised. Good Sunday afternoon, everybody. It's Monica and my guru, Victor. Um, we're here with you for another afternoon radio theater Sunday. And um, that Sunday is like an ice cream Sunday where I put all my things on the bottom and then I top it off with strawberry and whipped cream. So uh, you can just use your imagination and uh, create your own Sunday. And maybe you like a cherry on top, but I'm not much on maraschino cherry, so I always change it to a strawberry. If you like what you see, and if you like what you hear, um, hit, hit the like button or your notification button um, on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, leave us comments. Um, and if you have shows that you'd like to hear, then, um, you know, leave, make your suggestions. Leave it in the comment section and uh, I'll try to find it if I don't have it. We're on Facebook. Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Twitter at Blind Whose, B-L-I-N-D-W-H-O-S-E. Uh, YouTube is Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? You can find us on any podcast. If you have good old Alexa, she'll play it for you till you run out of podcasts. The first show that we're going to do, it's it's called First Nighter, and it's kind of a variety show. I like it, but then I like those variety shows. Um, and this one is called A Little Town of Bethlehem. Campana's First Nighter Program. From the Little Theater off Times Square. Starring Barbara Lottie and Olin Soule with an all-star cast. And sent you by Campana, the quality name in cosmetics. Theater time. And tonight, just ahead of Christmas, the little theater off Times Square is delighted to comply with the request of thousands of its friends from coast to coast by offering for the ninth time the now famous Christmas play, Little Town of Bethlehem, the Bible story of the carpenter and his wife and their baby born in a manger. Among radio listeners, including members of the clergy, the annual presentation of the little town of Bethlehem has become an occasion of deep spiritual significance, a time when whole families, young and old, gather at the radio sets to enjoy the inspiration which attends the retelling of those memorable happenings in Bethlehem on a night long ago. The hour of the performance is drawing near, so let me introduce our host for the evening, Mr. First Nighter. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm delighted that you can be with us tonight for the most celebrated performance of the year in the Little Theater. My cab is waiting. Won't you join me? All right, driver. Hey there, meet all the you. Hey there. 
up Broadway and across 42nd Street. Yes, the great white way looks like one big dazzling Christmas tree tonight. And out just ahead is the little theater off Times Square. Well, here we are. Have your tickets ready, please. Have your tickets ready, please. Good evening, Mr. First Nighter. The usher will show you to your seat. Thank you. We'll go right in. program, Campana Sales Company, together with all of their employees, wish to contribute to your enjoyment of the first Peace Christmas since 1940 by the presentation of the sacred story of the birth of Christ in a manger in Bethlehem. We enter eagerly into the opportunity of offering you this evening the Christmas play, Little Town of Bethlehem, by Anthony Wayne. In tonight's performance, Barbara Luddy will play the part of Mary, part of Joseph will be played by Olin Soleil. An all-star supporting cast, including Sidney Elstrom, Hugh Studebaker, Herbert Butterfield, Willard Waterman, and Philip Lord, will portray the other characters. Since tonight's performance will be interrupted only by music between the acts, here is Mr. Billsbury with a special Yuletide greeting. Thank you and good evening. It is appropriate, I think, and it is heartfelt, too, this greeting I want to convey to you. It comes from Campana Sales Company, the sponsor, and all of their employees. They join together this evening in wishing you a very Merry Christmas. And they want to express with warm gratitude their appreciation of your loyalty to them during the past year. You and your friends all over the United States and Canada have chosen and used Campana products in ever-increasing quantities. And we cannot let this year-end pass by without saying thank you. During the past year, there became available again some of the ingredients which, for a long time, had been dedicated wholly to the war effort. As a result, we've been able to again stock the stores nationwide with what many women call their favorite wintertime hand lotion, rich, concentrated, original Campana Balm. We're delighted, as we know you are, that this famous cold weather lotion could be reinstated on the toilet's goods counters in time for the winter weather this year. If by chance you've not been aware that original Campana Balm is back in circulation again... Just ask for it in its sparkling green and white carton at your nearest store. During 1945, we've made countless friends also with the famous solitaire cake makeup. Solitaire cake makeup contains lanolin, and more and more women every day are discovering the sure, smooth complexion beauty that solitaire gives them so easily, so quickly, and hour after hour without redoing. In the more recent months just past, countless friends have written us their compliments about the new and exciting solitaire fashion point lipstick, the lip-shaped lipstick, the only stick with a point that is shaped to fit your lips. Such acceptance is more than gratifying to all the workers at Campana because we all have a very real pride in producing for you the very finest beauty aids that our hands can fashion. And now, may your Christmas be the merriest on record and your new year brighter than ever before. <laughs> are out, and the curtain rises on the first act of Little Town of Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. 
What is your name? Josiah, son of Obed, son of Asa, the son of Zacharias, the son of... Hold! Caesar does not ask who your ancestors were. Give me only your name. Josiah of Bethlehem. The name of your wife? Leah. Your trade and the number of your children? I am a shepherd with seven children. My flock's in the hills nearby and Enough. I'm... How much property do you own? My house and 50 sheep. That is all. Who is the next? And what is your name? Joseph, the son of Jacob, the son of Matan, the son of Eliezer. Hold, hold. Must every Jew who registers recite his lineage to me? Did you not hear me say that all I wanted was your name? But I am descended from the kings of Judea, from the great King David. I know, I know. So is everyone in Bethlehem. But the Roman emperor cares nothing about that. This is a Roman census. I'm sorry. I could have been through the enrollment by now if you Jews were not so garrulous. Come, is this your wife? My name is Mary. I, too, am of the line of David. Your voice sounds tired. Have you come far? From the town of Nazareth in Galilee. Sit down on that bench and rest a moment. Thank you. Now, Joseph, what is your trade, how many children, and how much property? I am a carpenter. I have no property except my tools and the animal on which my wife has ridden from Nazareth. There are no children, as yet. Very well. That is all. Pardon, my lord, but... We have no place to sleep. There was no room at the inn. Can you help me? Uh, the town is filled with those who have returned for the enrollment. I can do nothing. Oh, wait. Do you see that man talking with the soldier at the roadside? That is Simon, a rich merchant. He has a large house. He may have room for him. Thank you. Come, Mary. You have found a place for us to rest? We will ask for a place to rest. Pardon, sir. You are the merchant, Simon? Yes. What do you want? I am Joseph of Nazareth, and this is my wife, Mary. The Roman governor said you might have some room in your house where we could sleep. I have no room. The governor and his men are staying with me. If you only had some small corner where we could rest. My wife is very weary, sir. I have said that my house is filled. You may sleep in the stable if you wish. That is all I can do for you. The stable? Let us go there, Joseph. We have tried so many places. A stable, Mary? It is not what I would like. We must be content. Lift me up to the saddle. There. If you lead the way, the little beast will follow. Oh, Simon. I'm tired of listening to this babble. Claudius, take my place here. I'm going to rest. Taking the census is an exhausting task, my lord. Everyone in Judea must spring from Bethlehem. People have been pouring into the town all day. Bethlehem is the city of David. And everyone who is registered here claims descent from him. That is true. And the dream of every mother of David's line is that she will bear the king of Micah's prophecy. Micah's prophecy? Have you never heard it? But thou, Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judea, yet out of thee shall come forth he that is to be ruler in Israel. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the prophecy, huh? You're all waiting for this new king. Many believe he will come, my lord. And you, Simon? What about you? Do you believe it? Uh, I? Oh, it is rather the uh, shepherds who talk. I, mean. I see. You're very careful, Simon. Perhaps you fear Herod, your king. Herod despises the prophecy of Micah. He hates Bethlehem. It would be well to keep this legend from him, then. But um, tell me about the carpenter and his wife from Nazareth. Did they find lodging? I offered them my stable. You... Your stable? Was there no room in your house? The stable is good enough for such as they. 
My house is kept for Romans, milord. <laughs> oh, it's little wonder, Simon, that you are a rich and powerful man in Bethlehem. You have all the necessary qualities. Thank you. If you are ready now to go to my house... No, not yet. In Rome, it'll be going on far into the night. Oh, this town of Bethlehem is really beautiful, Simon. Now, my lord, in the days of David, Bethlehem was great. One can see that. But the sons of David are not the warriors that he was. Ah, these crumbling walls. These broken battlements. <laughs> and yet you believe that your next king will come from here. No, that, as I have told you, is but the tale of shepherds. A Roman soldier need not... Hark! Some nobleman is at the city gate. Who can it be? We shall soon see. King Herod, King Herod has come to Bethlehem. I shall have a king, the ruler of Judea, as my guest tonight. Oh, I am the proudest man in the world. and be comfortable. Let me spread the blanket for you. You are so good to me, Joseph. You're tired, Mary. There. Now lie down. Could you not bring the beast in out of the cold? It is cold. But it is a clear, still night, Mary. Everything is peaceful. And there's a wonderful star over the courtyard. Can you see it through the open door? Yes, I can see it. All the others were white mist. Is it standing still? It seems to stand still. What is that, Joseph? That's someone bringing horses into the stable. It's the merchant himself, Joseph. He is leading the horses over here. I pray, sir. You're frightening my wife. Oh, oh. the man from there. I'm sorry, but uh, you will have to move. King Herod honors my house tonight. These are the horses of his party. King Herod? But his horses must have the best all. What, what are we to do? 
my wife. All my life I prayed that I might be honored by a visit from the king. Surely you would not turn us out. Uh, move down to the um, other end of the stable. Uh, that stall where you see a manger. Uh, you can sleep there. That will do, Joseph. Let us move. I'm sorry, Mary. I seem able to do so little for you. It does not matter. I am supremely happy. I wish I had a better place to offer you, but one does not often have a visit from a king. He is at supper now with the Roman governor. I must go back to him. That is true, Simon. One does not often have a visit from a king. I regret to hear that you have so few about whom you can trust, King Henry. There is no man whom a king can trust, Quirinius. Those whom I've loved most dearly have betrayed me. My wife, one of my sons, brought against me. That is very sad. <laughs> and paid with their heads. Now my youngest son, him who I trusted above all others, has turned against me. And he too has uh, paid with his head? <laughs> Not yet. I have but to reach the ear of Caesar. I see, I see. Ah, you understand me, Quirinius. Let me tell you this. Great Caesar has no more faithful friend in all Judea than I, Herod. I'm sure of that. Ventros, Quirinius. There is something I would say to you. I suspect there may be treason brewing here in Bethlehem. These men have a myth about their descent from David. They plot continually for a new king. The Messiah will come out of Bethlehem. I've heard the prophecy. But don't you see? They're plotting against me. It amounts to little. They've been talking of this for hundreds of years. Mm. I am not so sure. When I called the scribes of the people together and asked them where this child was to be born, they said, in Bethlehem. Is that why you've come to Bethlehem tonight? Mm. Perhaps. Perhaps I shall stay longer than a night just to make sure these Jews are not plotting. What is that babble outside? Probably some of your Greek mercenaries gambling with my men. Simon! Simon! Where are you? I am here, O king. Then quiet those brawlers in your courtyard. I shall do so at once. Quiet! Quiet for the king! This Roman soldier does not understand us, Simon. I know your faces. You are shepherds from the hills. What do you want? We bring tidings of great joy, Simon. As we watched our flocks in the fields tonight, an angel of the Lord stood beside us. Speak softly. And a bright light shone around us so that we were afraid. But the angel said, fear not. I bring you good news, which shall be a joy to all people. For there is born in Bethlehem a Savior. You are mad. You want us all put to the sword? And this shall be a sign to you. You will find the child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. In a manger? And there was a song in the air. A heavenly throng, Simon, singing. Silence. You are mad. Would the king of Micah's prophecy be born in a manger? But we spoke with an angel of the Lord. You must forget what happened. Go back to your flocks. There is no king born in a manger. Only a carpenter and his wife from Nazareth. 
are resting in the stable. We have come to worship the newborn Messiah. Be off! There is no king but Herod. And if Herod should hear you, it would go hard with all the men of Bethlehem. Be off! Off! Ah, Simon. Who are your visitors? Oh, oh, Quirinius, is it you? You uh, followed me? Only to help you if my help were needed. Who were those men? Uh, Just shepherds. Moon-crazed shepherds. They told a wild tale of hearing angel voices. I thought I heard them speak of a Messiah. How does it go? But thou, Bethlehem, out of thee shall come he that is to be ruler in Israel? (laughs) My lord is pleased to jest. But I pray you will not speak of this. I am so afraid of the king. My lord, I beg you not to speak of it to Herod. I think Herod has already heard. The curtain comes down on the second act of tonight's play. Simon, I must ask you. Those shepherds, you are sure they were not conspirators in disguise? No, no, King. They were only shepherds. Word has been brought me that they sought the king of Israel. Uh, they said uh, that as they tended their flocks that night, an angel appeared to announce that the king honored Bethlehem by his presence. <laughs> an angel announced my presence, sir. <laughs> Did you hear that, Quirinius? Good omen, is it not? It may, perhaps, mean much to your kingdom. All Judea knows your greatness, O king. But why? Simon, why did you not bring them to me, then? They were but rough men with the smell of their flocks about them. I did not want to disturb you when you were feasting. I see. You were sure it was I they sought? There was no talk of the ruler of Israel who is to come out of Bethlehem? Surely your majesty does not believe that fantastic prophecy. I am wary of everything, Gorelius. Today, 
three astrologers from the east came to me and asked for the newborn king of the Jews. They had seen his star rise in the east, they said, and followed it here. You remember the shepherd spoke of that star? It is only the old legend. Mm, perhaps. <laughs> I told the wise men to look diligently for the child and to send me word when they had found him so that I, too, might do him homage. Homage. <laughs> I would put him to death. I would kill him. I had to make away with all the boys under two years old in Bethlehem. Spoken like a king, O'Hara. Oh. But now, if you'll permit me, I'll go to bed. Nine days of feasting find me weary, and tomorrow there's much to do. Good night. You move on to Jerusalem tomorrow, Quirinius? Yes. Will you honor me with your company? We shall ride together. I thank you. Good night. Are you resting, Mary? You're quiet. I think of the shepherds, Joseph. I want to treasure up all they said and ponder it. David's throne and endless reign. The old prophecy coming from their lips. I am the happiest woman in the world tonight. He is the most beautiful baby in the world tonight, Mary. He is faintly. See the even flow of his breath, Joseph. You feel a mingled joy and, and terror watching it. The joy of life and the terror of, of death. Do not speak of death. Joseph, you are troubled. You are frightened. What is it? It is Herod, feasting there in Simon's house these past days. I had a dream. An angel of the Lord came to me and said, Arise, take the child and his mother and flee into Egypt, for Herod will look for the child in order to kill him. Joseph, what is that? I do not know. Shh, quiet. We seek a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. The Christ Jesus. How, how did you know his name? Who are you? We are three kings from the east. We have followed his star and ridden fast to find and worship the king of the Jews. The star stood still over Bethlehem. So it is written by the prophet. Come, wise men. Here is the child. The child who shall be king of the world. His goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. And he shall tread upon the high places of the earth. Joseph, do you hear what they say? Yes, Mary. Let us lay down our gifts before him. Caskets of gold. Gold as tribute to a king. Frankincense for the priest. And myrrh for the body's belly. We must make haste and ride away. We have been warned in a dream to return to our own country, lest Herod destroy us. You hear what he says, Mary. Even as we were warned to flee into Egypt, lest Herod seek the child to destroy him. It is close to morning. Are you equal to leaving at once? Yes, yes, let us go. We must not think of ourselves, only of him. Let us go without delay. Herod is sleeping now. If you would escape this malice and hatred, we will wait for you at the city gate. Child in your arms. 
Wait, Joseph. That man outside. The Roman governor. Ah, man of Nazareth. You are leaving before dawn? We have obeyed the decree of Caesar Augustus and enrolled. We must now return. We have a long journey before us. Yes, a long journey. I did not mean to disturb you. I was restless and could not sleep. Oh, what have we here? So, a new little carpenter. Yes, a new little carpenter. And like every Jew, I suppose you dream that he will be the prophesied ruler of Israel? We have great expectations. Well, after a stay in this city, listening to your prophecies and visions, I only wonder that a new king has not been born. What faith you Jews have. You have no fear of our faith? Like Herod? Romans are soldiers. You Jews dream too much. But go your way, good carpenter. I even hope, perhaps, that your son may be the long-awaited leader of Israel. down the curtain on our Christmas play in the little theater off Times Square. The audience has responded to the spirit of reverence with which our talented players have portrayed their roles. If you like tonight's performance, a letter from you would be appreciated. Now the members of the First Nighter cast and you and your family their most sincere good wishes for the holiday season. taken from the Bible. If you enjoyed the performance, a letter from you would be appreciated. A word from our audience is always appreciated. Saturday night on CBS is the biggest show in town. Listen again for First Nighter next Saturday at this same time and stay tuned to the Dick Hames show which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Hi, guys and gals. Um, this next one, it's it's um it's a nice little show. In fact, I wish I had more of them, but I don't. It's called Beulah, and uh, it it has to do with uh, an African American family, in particular, an African American woman. And, um, but it's called Honorary Santa. It's kind of a cute little show. From Hollywood, General Foods brings you the new Beulah Show, starring Amanda Randolph as... Beulah, 
a gal who only wants one gift from Chris Kringle, and that's a man, so I can quit being single. From Hollywood, it's the new Kula Show, brought to you transcribed by General Food. Love that man. <laughs> Say, do you know what a caffeine susceptible is? You know, you might be one yourself and not realize it. Truly. Anyway, a caffeine susceptible is a person who shouldn't drink coffee or tea because they contain caffeine. Caffeine is a drug that makes some people nervous, irritable, spoils their rest. Of course, many people can handle it, but if I could get all you folks who drink coffee and shouldn't, you caffeine susceptible, if I could get you to try Postum, you'd thank you. Because delicious instant postum doesn't have any caffeine, none at all. There's no chance of coffee nerves, no chance of sleepless nights due to caffeine. That's a fact. So, how about doing yourself a favor? How about switching to instant postum tomorrow? And see if you don't sleep better, look and feel better, too. Chances are you'll want to keep on with postum for good. <laughs> Well, Beulah's employer, Harry Henderson, has his heart set on being the honorary Santa Claus for the big Christmas Day party. The honor will go to the man whose child writes the best letter saying why his daddy should be Santa Claus. Uh-huh. And yesterday, little Donnie wrote a wonderful letter about Mr. Harry. Well, that's fine, Beulah. Except for one thing. I put the wrong paper in the envelope. And what he really mailed was his English composition. A description of mean old Scrooge from Dickens' Christmas Carol. <laughs> Mr. Harris very angry about the whole thing, Mr. Jacobs, and it's all my fault. The whole thing is my fault. You know, is breakfast ready? I'm right in, Miss Alice. Excuse me, Mr. Jacobs, i got to serve breakfast. And I hate to go in there. I wouldn't blame Mr. Harris if he wouldn't even talk to me. Morning, Miss Alice. Morning, Gula. Morning, Miss Harris. Uh-oh. Gula, I'm afraid Mr. Henderson's pretty upset. I don't blame him, Miss Alice. Alice, would you please tell Beulah I'd like my eggs now? Gula, Mr. Henderson would like his eggs now. Oh, well, I like my eggs well done. He likes his eggs well done. In plenty of butter. In plenty of butter. Today is Wednesday, and we got French toast. And it's sizzling hot. Oh. Well, I'll... Take two pieces of toast. Mr. Henderson wants two pieces of toast. Yes. Tell her I'm just about to taste it. He says he's just about to taste it. Oh! Oh! He says, ow, ow. Bill, <laughs> quick, a glass of wine. Quick, why, why don't you give me a glass of wine? Begging your pardon, sir. But you forgot to go through channels. <laughs> Well, never mind. Nothing anyway. But I would like some strawberry jam for my toast. Alice? Oh, Mr. Henderson would like some strawberry jam for his toast. Miss Alice, you better tell Mr. Harry we're all out of strawberry jam so I can bring him some blueberry jam instead. But if he tells you he don't like blueberry and he'd rather have blackberry, I think there's some of that. But our cherry preserves are fresher than the blackberry jam. And if he'd rather have cherry than blackberry or blueberry, I can get him that. Or the jelly. Tell her to please get the jelly. He says, please get the jelly. Okay. 
I'm so mixed up now. I don't know where the kitchen is. Some letter paper, beautiful. I got some right over here. I keep it in this can, Mark Flower. 
So help me, I just ain't going to ask her why she keeps it in a can marked flower. I'm just going to grab some, and then I'm going to get out of here. Mike, you're nice of you to write that letter for Mr. Henderson. He's such a nice man, he deserves to be Santa Claus. And if one letter helps, a whole block of letters ought to be much better. Oh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit right down and send in a big stack of letters, and I'll sign them in different names. <laughs> oh, that's a good dinner, Beulah, that is. Mighty fine. Thank you, Mr. Harry. Well, I'm glad you two are friendly again. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just flew off the handle, I guess. I, I was just so set on being Santa Claus, I just... Oh, I just got a boom at top. I'm sorry, but I... I guess I just can't hide my feelings. <laughs> then you don't feel so badly anymore about not being honorary Santa Claus, huh? Oh, no, no. Say, the paper says they uh, might make the announcement tonight. Letter-writing contest ended this afternoon. I still hope you win, Mr. Harris. But after that description of Scrooge, Donnie... <laughs> <laughs> Last chance. Excuse me, folks. There's someone at the door. Go ahead, Jula. Good evening, is Mr. Henderson home? Yes, sir. Won't you come in? Thank you. Mr. Harris, someone to see you. Oh, thanks a lot, Bueller. How do you do? What can I do for you? Uh, Mr. Henderson, I'm Mr. Burnett, uh, chairman of the Santa Claus letter-writing committee. Oh, oh yes, of course. Hello, Mr. Burnett. Say, I, I wanted to explain about that letter. You see, I, uh, well, I mean, uh, my boy, Donnie, uh, well, well, that is... Now, uh, now first permit me to congratulate uh, you, Mr. Henderson. Yes. You were the committee's unanimous choice for Santa Claus. I what? Hot dog. <laughs> Maybe I should say hot reindeer. <laughs> Alice, uh, Alice, this, this is Mr. Burnick of the Santa Claus committee. Oh. This is um, uh, Miss Alice, uh, uh, Mrs. Henderson, this is my wife, Miss uh, Rue, and uh, he told me I, I'm the I'm one that chose Santa oh, Claus. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, you see... We originally had planned to take into consideration only the contents of the letter. Yeah, but then, yeah. well, well, we just couldn't overlook a man who expresses the whole spirit of this great holiday by adopting 11 children. How good? Adopting 11 children? 11 children? Uh-oh, I must have been writing on carbon paper. <laughs> I don't know when those children are arriving, Mr. Henderson, but we received such sweet letters from all of well, them. Well, Mr. Vernick, now, I, I really... Now, I, Mr. Henderson, you're doing a wonderful thing. I am? Yes, and those letters were so cute. Why, some of them were written on paper towels. Paper towels? Oh, see, I'd like to wring that Oreo's neck. What did that, Beulah? I said, we got a mighty big family by heck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, now look, Mr. Burdick, uh, there's something I have to discuss no, with no, you. No, 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 we'll discuss all the arrangements tomorrow, Mr. Henry. Yeah, but uh, yes, now congratulations uh, again. Uh, good night, uh, folks. Good, 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 good night. Good, good night. Good night. Alice? Yes? Tell Beulah I would like an explanation. Beulah, Mr. Henderson says he'd like an explanation. I don't blame him, Miss Alice. Uh, so would I. Say, let me ask you a question. Does anyone in your family ever turn thumbs down on breakfast? Not in my family, Mr. Jacobs. No, sir. Ain't nobody turned thumbs down since I started turning bottoms up 
on a big box of them post posties every morning. There's a heap good cornflakes. Man, the best thing that's happened to corn since the Indians discovered it. Back when the Indians found out about that real sweet kernel corn flavor and post-toasties, they really had them a ball. Just listen to them dancing around and holding up their bowls for more post-toasties. Post-toasties good corn flakes. The best thing that's happened to corn since the Indians discovered it. yourself looking around the kitchen for a quick snack just before bedtime, something easy and good that won't keep you awake, well, that's the time to make yourself a postum nightcap. It's quick as a wink, just a heaping teaspoon of instant postum in a cup of hot milk. Of course, your nourishing postum nightcap contains no caffeine at all, nothing that could possibly keep you awake. But you see for yourself. Get a jar of delicious instant postum tomorrow. Listening to The Beulah Show, brought to you transcribed from Hollywood by General Foods. The Beulah Show is produced and directed by Stephen Hayter and was written this week by Sherwood Schwartz, Lee Carson, and Seaman Jacobs. Music is by Gordon Kibbe. This is Johnny Jacobs speaking. <laughs> this is the CBS Radio Network. Starring Amanda Randolph as Beulah, a gal who hopes Santa Claus will pull a husband out of the sack for me. Because if he don't, I'll be the one who's left holding the bag. Yes, sir, it's the new Beulah show brought to you transcribed from Hollywood. Love that man. Keep your eye on the clock and your dial on CBS Radio, and soon as the minutes tick by, St. Nick and CBS Radio will be ready to wish you all a Merry Christmas. And to make your Christmas even merrier, CBS Radio has some bright and shiny comedy hits all wrapped up for happy weekend listening. You'll meet the amusing characters who entertain you all year long with some bright holiday programs. You'll meet Millie over most of these same stations later tonight. She's a white-dollar girl whose Christmas stocking is packed with a package of laughter. You'll also meet Junior Miss, who's dreaming up some hilarious holiday hijinks. Some of the Sunday night friends who are decorating the CBS radio airways with merriment are our Miss Brooks, America's favorite school teacher, and Santa Claus's favorite economist, Jack Denny. Then caught between funny trouble and mistletoe is my little Margie, Amos and Andy, and Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, of course. You'll meet them all, you'll laugh at them all, and you'll enjoy spending the holiday season at the Star's Address, CBS Radio. Well, yes, 
Yesterday, Harry Henderson was selected as honorary Santa Claus for the big Christmas party tomorrow. But there was a big mix-up involved, and Harry was sure they'd select someone else instead. Oh, it's all right now, Mr. Jacobs. I explained the whole story to Mr. Harry, and he explained it to the committee. And now Mr. Harry's going to be Santa Claus after all. Well, that's just wonderful. Beulah, it's amazing how you straighten things out. Beulah. Here I am, Miss Alice. Excuse me, Mr. Jacobs. We've got to serve breakfast now. Morning, Beulah. Morning, Miss Alice. Morning, Mr. Santa Claus. You, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Santa Claus wants some breakfast. After all, I've been riding the sled through the snow all night. Up, Santa! Up, Santa! <laughs> oh, my goodness. I must say, everyone's in good spirits this morning, huh? Good spirits? Well, why not? Golly, I never thought I'd be chosen honorary Santa Claus. And, of course, if it hadn't been for our Beulah, I wouldn't have been either. She's the girl who made the whole thing possible. Oh, Mr. Harris. No, that's the truth. It is? Mm-hmm. Well, bless my little heart. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Henderson's right, Beulah. Yeah, and just to show my appreciation, Beulah, you name what you want most for Christmas, and we'll have it under the tree for you on Christmas morning. <laughs> but, 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 what but, are you laughing at? Mr. Henderson means it. Excuse me, folks. But I was just wondering how you'd be able to gift wrap my boyfriend, Bill. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll pick out something myself, then. Yeah, but right now I've got to be shoving off. Santa Claus has to rent a costume to see about getting a sled. Oh, dear, you'll probably have to chase all over town. Huh? But I can save you a lot of time and trouble, Mr. Harry. Well, how's that, Beulah? Well, I could sew up a Santa Claus outfit in no time at all. And Bill could get a sled and fix it up real nice with Christmas decorations. Oh, that's wonderful, Beulah. Gee, that would save a lot of trouble. Oh. Well, then let's get started, Mr. Harry. Fine. I think there's a tape measure on the back of the doorknob. Yep, there it is. Good. You call out the measurements, Miss Alice, and I'll mark them down. Okay. Okay, Alice. Your model husband is ready to model. Yes, all right. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Beulah, um, chest 41. Chest 41. Hip. 41. Hip. 41. Waist. 42. <laughs> Waist. 42. My goodness, Mr. Harry, you got an hourglass figure. <laughs> Only trouble is, most of the sand seems to be stuck in the middle. <laughs> I, uh, I wasn't standing quite straight. All right, there. Go on, dear. All right, now let's really measure the waist this time, huh? <laughs> oh, now stand still, honey. Oh, Stop that. Harry, I've got to find out what... Bill. This is red flannel, isn't it? Uh-huh. And Christmas is coming, isn't it? 
Well, if it had any feet, you're making me some long underwear. <laughs> Bill, this is Mr. Harry Santa Claus, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's way too big for Mr. Henderson, baby. Oh, it's got to be big, Bill. Mr. Harry's going to stick a lot of pillows and things in there to make him round, you know, like Santa Claus. Yeah, but you wouldn't need any baby who was built like me. Just look at me, honey. Mm. All that's solid. <laughs> uh-huh. Solid slab. <laughs> you know, that gives me an idea, Bill. Now, if this suit will fit you, it'll be perfect for Mr. Hare and a lot of stuffing. How about flipping it on, huh? Okay, honey. I'll just pull it on over my suit here. Yeah, but be careful now. It's only based it together. Okay, okay. I got it on a pattern yet. Oh, easy with those pants, Matt. Say, what's all these pieces of newspaper pinned on it for? Well, that's a pattern, Bill. I yeah. cut it out of the newspaper. How does it feel? Well, it feels okay around the news reports, but... <laughs> But it's kind of loose back here in the classified section. Well, let's just slip the coat on now, huh? Okay. There. <laughs> Life show is funny. I just dropped in to tell you about the sled I found from Mr. Henderson. And I'm all dressed up like Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, there's that Oreo from next door. You better take off that Santa Claus outfit, Bill. Say, let's play a trick on that dizzy woman. What do you mean? I bet that Oreo still believes in Santa Claus. Yeah. I'll keep this suit on and see what she says. <laughs> okay, Bill. Here, put these whiskers on, too. Okay. This ought to be fun, huh? <laughs> Get behind the door there, Bill. Okay. I'm all set now. Come on in, Oreo. Hello, Oreo. Oh, Oreo. Suppose I told you that Santa Claus was right here in this room. What would you say? That's a right nice, intelligent remark. <laughs> anyway, Oriole, just look at back of you. There's Santa Claus. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas, little girl. Merry Christmas. Well, why do you know? <laughs> Are you really Santa Claus? Oh, of course I'm really Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. Have you been a good little girl this year? by your bed and saying your prayers. No, I've been saying my prayers under my bed. <laughs> oh, that's a silly way to pray. Not if what you're praying for is to find a man under there. <laughs> Oil, why don't you ask him to put something in your stocking? I will not. He put something in my stocking last year and hurt my toes when I walked around. <laughs> Santa Claus can't even come down my chimney. Why, sure I can, little girl. I bet you can't. I'll bet I can. All right, I'll bet you a nickel. Okay, it's the best. Now, what makes you think I can't come down your chimney? <laughs> I haven't got any chimney. <laughs> <laughs> come on, now, give me the nickel. Okay, here you are, little girl. Thanks. And goodbye, now, Bueller. And thanks again for the nickel, Bill. Bill? Why, she knew me all the time. And she made five cents on the deal. <laughs> Bula? Yes, Miss Allen. What's this, Anderson? Well, as soon as he got home, he rushed right upstairs to try on his Santa Claus suit. Thinking he was coming down now. Alice? Bula, take a look. How do you like me as good old Saint Nick? Let's see that. How do you like me? <laughs> 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 hmm? Oh, honey, 
Hey, you look so funny. <laughs> well, what in the world's wrong? I put in a lot of stuffing. <laughs> oh, Mr. Harris, hmm? all that stuffing belongs in front. <laughs> oh, oh. Get it around. There. <laughs> uh, say, now, how would you like to hear Santa Claus's speech? Oh, hmm? well, right. you see, I have a few words to say to the crowd after the mayor welcomes yeah, me. Yeah, but and, go on, let's and, hear it. Uh, yeah, but it feels funny talking through this big beard. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, and all you kiddies, this is the happiest day of the year. Annual Santa Claus is filled with joy, good cheer, and, uh, and, uh, uh, what else? What else am I filled with? Two pillows, three sweaters, and an army <laughs> bag. <laughs> All right, go on with your speech, Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, indeed, this is a wonderful night. And I wish to thank you all. I want to wish to... I want to...
Part of Harry Henderson is played by Hugh Studebaker, Alice Henderson by Mary Jane Croft, Oreo by Ruby Dandridge, Bill by Ernest Whitman, and Beulah, of course, by Amanda Randolph. This is Johnny Jacobs speaking. CBS Radio is just the place to meet Mr. McNutley, and when you meet Mr. McNutley, you're saying hello to Ray Milland, who assumes the role of his absent-minded but charming professor, who's the talk of the campus and the delight of America. If you want to know what he's up to next, well, just stick around on CBS Radio, and you'll meet Mr. McNutley later tonight over most of these same stations. You've been listening to The Bueller Show, brought to you transcribed from Hollywood. This is the PBS Radio Network. This next one, y'all, or if you if you grew up like I did and you enjoyed the Archies, um, you'll like this one. It's called Christmas Shopping. And if you remember Betty and Veronica and Jughead, all of them, they're in there. So have a good time. Jughead, it's a matter of life or death. Oh, relax, Archie. Relax. Yes, here he is again. Young for millions of readers of Archie Comics magazine, no one loves so well. Brought to you by Swift and Company, makers of Swift premium signs from Swift Swiftfield Sausage. Archie Andrews, all is dead. Hear that, folks? You're listening to the actual sound of two delicious links of Swift Brookfield sausage sizzling in the skillet. A sound that's an appetizing invitation to enjoy America's favorite pork sausage, Swift's Brookfield sausage. In these days when everyone is conscious of making food go further, Swift's Brookfield sausage makes an ideal meat. For Swift's Brookfield sausage is all meat, and you eat every delicious bit on your plate. Cook it slowly for best results. You'll enjoy every tasty bite of it. Made of carefully selected pure fresh pork cuts that are extra tender and delicious, Swift's Brookfield Sausage is then seasoned with rare, delicate spices that give you just the right blend of delicacy and zest you want. Not too spicy, not too mild. Swift's Brookfield Sausage is the sausage with the just right seasoning. It's just good reasoning to get the sausage with the just right seasoning. And now for our weekly visit to Riverdale. It's Saturday afternoon as we look in on the Andrews home, and at the moment we find Mr. Andrews alone in the living room, sitting in his favorite armchair, reading the newspaper. I'm scolding my little son for reaching the cake. I said he would have to be a more mannerly if he asked if someone pass the cake to him. He, he replied, oh, mommy, what does manners get you? 
Every time Daddy gets to light in the train or bus, it costs him his seat. Yes, dear. Yeah, I hear it. Well, Mary, I'm reading my... Yes, dear, I'll answer it. Mumble fine singer. Hello? Hello, Mr. Andrews? Uh, yes. Oh, hello, Veronica. Yes, Auntie's home. Did you want to talk to him? No, I don't. No, all right. I'll call it. No, you don't. That's right. I thought you just gave him a message for me. Oh, of course, Veronica. What is it? Well, Archie was supposed to come over here this afternoon at 3 o'clock. Yes? But ask him to make it 4 o'clock instead. 4 o'clock instead. I'm going down to Stacy's apartment store to do some Christmas shopping this afternoon. This is about the last chance I'll have. All right, Veronica. I'll tell him. All right, Veronica, I'll tell him. Thanks ever so much, Miss Dangerous. Bye. 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 George, it's a good thing Veronica called. I'd forgotten all about Christmas shopping, and I still don't have this little merry party. So I'd better my hat and get down to Spacey's right now. This is the last chance I'll have. Oh, fine. Yes, dear. Doorbell's ringing. I hear it, dear. I hear it. Oh, all right, dear. All right, dear. All right. I never have a chance to jump. Oh, good grief. Jughead. What'd you expect? Jersey Joe Wilcox? <laughs> no, Jughead, and I don't want to fight with you either. I'm in a hurry. I... Oh, gee, hiya, Jug. What are you doing here? Oh, hi, Archie. I came over to see what you're doing. Well, I was... Oh, just... Archie, Veronica just called. She and... was, she did? Yes, Archie, she did. And she Gee, said... I never heard the phone ring. Well, it's fine. And well, Veronica why didn't you said... tell me? Archie. Yes, Dad? Do you care to hear what Veronica said or not? Well, sure, Dad, sure. Then be quiet and I'll tell you. Okay, Dad, okay. She said to, uh, to, uh... Okay. Oh, yeah. She said to change your appointment with her from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock. From 3 to 4? Yes, an hour later. She was... I wonder why. Well, she had some things to attend to, and I'm going on. I'll see you later. Yeah, okay, Dad. Goodbye. Bye, Mr. Andrews. She was... That's great. Huh? Well, now that Veronica's made our date an hour later, I have time to get my Christmas shopping done. But I... This is practically the last chance I'll have to... It's a good thing I thought of it. But I haven't bought a thing for anyone yet. Including me? Including you. Archie, it's time you did your Christmas shopping. <laughs> That's right, Jug. Come on, we'll go right down to Stacy. Oh, what are you going to get me, huh? Jug, you'll just... Have... upstairs. Uh, Archie! Archie! That's funny. He must have gone out, too. I wish people would tell me when they're going now. Um, hello, Betty. Yes, Mrs. Andrews? Archie doesn't seem to be home, dear. Oh, he isn't? No, dear. And, Betty, I hate to cut you short, but I have to run now. I'm just leaving to do my Christmas shopping. Oh, golly, I'm glad you mentioned that, Mrs. Andrews. I haven't done my shopping yet, either. Oh, you haven't? Well, would you like to go with me, dear? Oh, I'd love to. All right, I'll pick you up right away, and we'll go down to Stacy's. such crowds. Yes, Jughead, but when we got in that elevator and everyone started pushing, did you have to push back? Listen, Archie, 
In that crowd, even a sardine would have pushed back. Well, never mind. We're here now, and the first thing I want to buy is a compact for Veronica. I wonder where the cosmetic department is. Cosmetic department? Yeah. Gee whiz, Archie, let's go up to the toy department first. Jug, I told you we'll go up to the toy department later. Now, come on, I'll ask that floor walker where the cosmetic department is. Gee whiz, okay. Oh, mister? Yes, yes? Could you tell me where the cosmetic department is, please? Yes, counter seven. Thank you. Come on, Jug. Where is it? Counter seven. Where's that? Gee, I don't know. Oh, mister? Yes? Where is counter seven? On the north side of counter six. Oh, thank you. I'll just... <laughs> mister? Well, what now? Which way is north? Oh, my land. Sonny, you see the boys' clothing department right there? Yes. Well, go right down on that aisle where the dummies are and turn right. Oh, okay, mister. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Yes, madam. Can I help you? Where do you say it is, Archie? Right down at the next aisle, Jug. Come on. Oh, okay. Oh, boy, he's sure not a very friendly floor walker. Maybe his wife beats him. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I... Ooh, what was that? You bumped into that dummy. Oh, gee whiz, I knocked the hat off. For a minute, I thought that dummy was a real person. Wait a second, Jug, till I put the hat back on. Okay. Hmm, if that floor walker ever saw me fooling around this dummy, he'd probably throw us out of the store or something. Gee whiz. I, what's the matter? There's Veronica. Veronica? Oh, gee whiz, I don't want her to see me here. She's coming right towards us. Oh, boy. Jug, I'm going to be a dummy. Huh? I'm going to climb up on this platform with the rest of these dummies, and, and I'll wear this hat. But Archie, oh, you just can't don't do that. argue, don't argue. Yeah. How do I look? <laughs> You're the most natural looking dummy I ever saw. <laughs> don't be funny, Jug, and put that price tag on me quick. Okay. Here. Had a boy. Now remember, don't give me away no matter what happens. Well, okay, Bush. What you here? Oh. Hi, Veronica. What y'all doing here? Ooh. Just a little shopping. Oh, I am, too. Thank goodness I have most of it done. Oh, that's good. Only thing I still have to get is a gift for Archie. Archie? Uh-huh. I don't know what to get him. He's such a problem. <laughs> yeah, he sure is. I can't get him a book or anything because he's not the intelligent type. <laughs> I can't get him a baseball glove or anything because he's not much of an athlete. Can't get him a tie or anything because he just doesn't know anything about style. In fact, sometimes I think Archie is an awful dummy. <coughs> but then again, with prices being what they are, there isn't very much you can get for a dollar. <laughs> Did you say something, Jughead? Me? Not a word, Veronica, not a word. Oh, well, I'd better go get some more shopping done. Would you like to come along? Oh, I... Uh... No, Veronica, I can't. I'm meeting someone here in a minute. Oh, well, I'll run along then. Bye now, Jackie. Bye, Veronica. Bye. Okay, dummy, you can relax now. A fine thing, a fine thing. Jughead, help me down off this platform. I just... She was not now. Huh? Here comes a floor walker. Oh, boy. I better be a dummy some more. Yes, madam. You can return at any time. Yes, ma'am. Oh, man. Never have I seen such a rush. Never in all my... Land's sake. Who put that dummy here? Oh, boy. Oh, if that isn't the silliest-looking dummy I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know why that stockroom can't stand one that looks at least half alive. I have never seen one with such an insipid expression. And such a ridiculous posture. Uh... 
mister. Yes? I'm... I'm not really a dummy. That makes absolutely no difference. <laughs> they still shouldn't... Oh, good heavens, you're alive. Uh-huh. Oh, for pity's sake. Young man, come down off there. Yes, sir. Well, just what were you doing on that platform, looking like a dummy? Well, that's a long story, sir. You see, oh, I was... Oh, good I... heavens, young man. Will you do me a favor? Yes, sir. As soon as you've paid for that jacket, leave the store. Huh? I said as soon as you've finished buying that jacket... This jacket? Yes, that jacket with the price tag on it. You're buying it, aren't you? But this is my jacket. Your jacket. Hmm. Did you have the sales slip? Well, no, I bought it here last year. <laughs> and you haven't removed the price tag yet? Removed the... Pr oh, mister, you don't understand. Young I, man, I, I understand perfectly. The price is fourteen ninety-five, and I want it right now. Oh, but mister... Now, I, I said. But you don't understand. This is my own jacket. No fooling. Jughead, tell the man this is my jacket and... Jughead? Young man, are you calling me names? Oh. No, 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 sir. I, I was talking to my friend. What friend? Well, that's just it. He, he was here a minute ago. He was. I, I bet he went up to the toy department. Mister, if you'd just come up to the toy department, we can find my friend and he'll tell Young you... Young man, that I am not going I... up to the toy department or anywhere else until I have the $14.95 for that jacket. But that's all the money I have and I... I just... Oh, wait a minute. Beg pardon? I know. Mister... If I paid you for this jacket, you'd give me a sales slip, and then I could take it over to the exchange department and get my money back, couldn't I? Yes, you like. Oh, well, in that case, it's all right. I haven't anything to worry about. Here's the money. Yeah, thank you. And here's your sales slip. Thank you. You're quite welcome. Good day, sir. Good day. <laughs> Guess I fooled him. Yes, sir, it's a good thing I think fast. For a minute there, it looked like I wouldn't have any Christmas money. But now all I have to do is take this coat and, and go to the exchange counter and give them this jacket, and then I'll... Gee whiz. If I do, I won't have any jacket left. Oh, boy, how do I get into these things? <laughs> Let's see. First thing I better do is get that bottle of perfume from Mary. Ah, here's the perfume counter right here. Let's see now. What kind should I get her? Well, they certainly have quite an assortment. <laughs> Chase me. $25. Hide and seek. $32. Wallflower, no more. $40. I never smell anything worth that kind of money. Oh, here's another one. Evening in Riverdale. Ten dollars. Well, that's a little better. <laughs> I think Mary likes this perfume. That's just what I'll get her. Oh, miss, uh, I'll take this bottle. Hey, miss, well, Jughead, hello. What are you doing here? Oh, hello, Sandy. I'm looking for Archie. I thought you were with Archie. Well, I was, but he just... Well, I'm trying to get one of these sales girls to wait on me here, but they're all so busy. She I went. Guess... Well, what's the matter? There's Mrs. Andrews. Mary? Where? Right over there. Oh, good grief. If she sees me with this bottle of perfume, she'll know what I'm getting her for Christmas. She's coming this way. Yes, I know. I see her. I'll just duck the bottle in my pocket. There, right in this pocket. Now she sees me. Just a moment, please. Yeah? I saw that. Saw what? Oh. 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 Oh, now, Missy, you don't understand. You don't understand Oh, all. I, I don't, don't I? No, you... Did you or did you not just had a bottle of perfume in your pocket? Well, yes, but... Have you paid for it? Well, no, but... Well, I don't know what you call it, but we call it shoplifting. Yes, of course, it's... Shoplifting? 
Oh, now, wait a minute, mister. I can explain. I can explain the entire thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm listening. Well, you, you see, I've been trying to get one of the sales girls to wait on me, and I, I just saw my wife over there, and I hid the bottle because I didn't want her to know what I'm getting her for Christmas. Mm, just where is your wife? Well, she was right over... over, over Oh, good heaven, she's gone. Yeah, I thought so. Oh, but she was right there. Jughead, tell the man how we saw my wife. Well, now, where did he go to? Who? Jughead. He was standing right here just a second ago. I don't know where he... Mister. Huh? Do you imagine these things very often? Imagine what? Do you have delusions? But, guys, Bell. Oh, but I... just before your eyes. Now, keep calm, keep calm. No need to get excited. Just give me back the perfume, and we'll forget the whole thing, and you can go right home and lie down. Lie down? But who wants the to lie? The perfume, please. I, yes, sir, I have it right in my... 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 Oh. Something wrong? Uh-huh. It leaked. What leaked? The perfume bottle. It leaked all over my pocket. Steve's half empty. Oh, for land's sake. Now you'll have to pay for it. What? That's right. I was going to forget the whole incident, but I can't return a damaged bottle to the counter. Well, I'm certainly not going to pay for a leaky bottle of perfume. Mister, if you're not satisfied with the item, you can take it to the exchange department, but I must be paid for it. But... I said I must. Oh, me. You win. I'll go to the exchange department, but how I get into these things, I'll never know. Do you like best, Betty? Mm, the dark blue one, I think. I do, too. Blue is Aunt Hattie's favorite color. Oh, but is it her size, Mrs. Andrews? Well, there's only one way to tell, Betty. I'll have to try it on. Try it on? Uh-huh. I wear the same size that Aunt Hattie does, and if it fits me, it'll fit her. Uh, here, hold my coat, dear, while I step into this dressing room and put this bathrobe on. Oh, all right, Mrs. Andrews. It'll just take me a second, dear. I'd hate to go to all the trouble of buying this and sending it to Hattie and then not have it fit. Uh-huh. Then I'd only have to return it for her since she lives out of town. Oh, dear. What is it? There's no hanger in here for my dress. Oh, well, hand it to me, Mrs. Andrews. I'll hold it. All right, dear. Here you are. Uh, I have it. Oh, thank you, dear. I'll have this robe on in just a minute. There. Oh, how's it look, Daddy? Uh, well, it looks a little big to me. It does? Well, I'd better take a look in this mirror. I'd... Oh, Betty, you don't have to hold my coat and dress. Just put them on that empty rack. Oh, all right, Mrs. Andrews. Now, let's see. Hmm. Yes, it is a little big. Yes, it is. I- I'll have to ask the sales girl if she has a smaller size. You wait here, Betty. Oh, what, uh, Miss? Miss, you have to wait. It's Betty. Jughead, what are you doing here? Looking for Archie. Archie, is he here? Well, I think so. We came here together, but we got separated. Oh, well, where'd you see him last? On the dummy platform. What? Well, you see, he was being a dummy. What? A dummy. You know, the kind that looks like this. <laughs> Jug, what are you talking about? Excuse me, miss. I've got to move this rack. What? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, Mo, get the other one there. Uh, easy now. Easy. Hold on. Jughead, what are you trying to tell me about Archie? Betty, it's an awful long story. All I want to know is, have you seen him? No, I haven't. Well, then I better keep looking. He may be in trouble. What kind of trouble? I can't tell you now, Betty. See you later. Bye. But Jug, wait, Jug. Oh, golly, that Jughead, he's the strangest Betty, person. how do you like this bathrobe? Oh, that's fine, Mrs. Andrews, but I just... This eye does fit much better, doesn't it, dear? Yes, Mrs. Andrews, but I... I just... Betty! What happened to it? What happened to what? The rack. What rack? The rack you put my dress on. Oh, golly, I don't know. And my dress... My dress and coat were on it. Oh, golly, it was here a minute ago. My oh. dress? But, Betty, what do I do? Nothing wrong, madam. Uh, yes, I lost my dress. 
I beg you. I beg your pardon. My dress. We put it down here for a minute while I tried on this bathrobe, and now it's gone. The bathrobe? No, the dress. But it couldn't be. But it is, isn't it, Betty? Oh, yes, indeed, Mrs. Andrews. Oh, oh my land, I have never seen such a day. Living dummies, men hiding from their wives, and now this woman loses her dress. But I tell you, it was right under my nose. I should hope so. Well, do something. Do something. Madam, what can I do about your dress? Find it. No, madam, be calm, be calm. It was probably taken by mistake, and it'll be turned into the lost and found department. Well, where's that? At the other end of the floor next to the exchange department. Come on, Betty. Madam, where are you going? To the lost and found department. But, madam, certainly not in our bathrobe. Oh, certainly not without it. Come on, Betty. We'll go see if I have my dress. How these things happen to me, I'll never know. Archie. Yes, Judd. Now, can I tell you who I met? Yes, Judd. Well, first I ran into... Archie, what in tarnation are you doing here? She was Dad. Where'd you come from? Never mind where I came from. Archie, what are you doing standing here in your shirt sleeves? Well, Dad, I can explain. You see, I came over... What are you doing here? Mary! What are you doing in your bathrobe? Oh, it's not my bathrobe. It's... Fred Andrews, you smell. <laughs> what? You positively reek of perfume. Oh. No. <laughs> yes, yes, I do, don't I? <laughs> well, uh, you see, dear, I... Andrews, uh, what are you doing here? Uh, Veronica. Just head, why did you tell me Archie was here? Well, Veronica, I talked in for the trouble here. Oh, the floor walker. Mister, I'm trying to find out why my son is standing here in his shirt sleeves. Sir, please, and there's no need to get... And the... I want to know why you smell a perfume. Lady, I... And what are you doing in that bathroom? Mister, I'm please don't... I'm trying to exchange my own coat. Honey, just... Just... Get me, I just... Get me, Archie. Girlie, why are you... That's better. Now, listen to me, all of you. This nonsense has gone far enough. Too far, in fact. Yes, yes Mr. Andrews. Yes, dear. Yes, Dad. It certainly has. But what? all afternoon, you people have made my life quite miserable for me. Quite miserable. Yes, yes sir. sir. Now, if there's any reason for it, I feel I'm entitled to an explanation. Well, mister, you know the coat, the one you thought I was buying? Yes. Well, my mother and father and Jughead and Veronica can all identify it as my old coat. Well, that's... of course that's Archie's coat. Oh, I know that's his coat. Oh, dear. You mean it really is? Yes. And maybe you'll recall that you didn't believe my wife was in the store when I hid the perfume bottle in my pocket. Well, yes, I... Well, this is my wife. Oh, how do you do? I'm very sorry. And I just found out that two of your men moved an empty rack while I was talking to Jughead here, didn't they, Jughead? Sure they did. And that was the rack that had my dress and coat on it. Well, Mr. Floorwalker, what do you say to that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no, please, 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 please. No tempers, please. No tempers, no tempers. The customer's always right at jail. Faces. We'll make amends, make amends. Mistakes will happen, you know. Hmm. Young man, since that does seem to be your own coat, you may keep it, and I'll give you a cash credit slip for what you paid me. Thank you. And you, sir? Yes? I'll be glad to give you another bottle of perfume. Compliments of the store. Well, that's better. And, madam... I'm sure we can find your dress and coat in the lost and found department, and you may keep that bathrobe at no charge. Well, thank you. I'm here, too. Just shut up. Well, people, uh, 
That satisfy you? Well, yes, I think that straightens everything out all right. I'm sorry there's been so much misunderstanding. That's uh, quite all right. Yes. Quite all right. <clears throat> and now, folks, if everything's settled, let's stop hiding from each other and get this Christmas shopping over and done with once and for all. Yes, yes Mr. Andrews. Andrews. Yes, dear. Yes, Dad. All right. Now, I... What was that? Five o'clock. Thank heavens. Stores closing. You folks will all have to come back next Monday. Come back? daily in Swift kitchens from coast to coast, Swift's premium planks are then wrapped in cellophane for extra protection. Ask for them today. You'll find eight to ten of the most delicious franks you ever tasted in each pound package of Swift's premium franks. And while you're at your dealers, look for Swift's premium table-ready meats. Like Swift's premium franks, Swift's premium table-ready meats are economical foods for these days. There's no waste to them because you eat every bit you buy. Another top favorite in these days when every bite counts is Swift's Brookfield Sausage. Made of pure, fresh pork, Swift's Brookfield Sausage is seasoned just right. Not too spicy, not too mild, but just right. Remember, it's just good reasoning. Get the sausage with the just right seasoning. Swift's Brookfield Sausage! <laughs> Now, back to the Andrews. It's Monday night as we look in on the Andrews home, and the family has just come home from Stacy's department store. Uh, oh, Mary, it certainly is good to be home. Oh, it certainly is. And how? Hell, I, I'm dead. Oh, I am too, dear. I've never seen such a mob. Me too. But at least we got all our shopping done. And you know, Mary, if I never set foot in a crowded store again, it'll be too soon. Well, she will. Well, what is it, Archie? This letter from Uncle George. Oh? Uncle George? Uh-huh. He sent us a $50 gift certificate from J.L. Stacy's department store. Oh, no! You've been listening to another chapter of The Adventures of Archie Andrews, written by Carl Dampel, and based on the copyrighted feature appearing in Archie Comics magazine. Archie was played by Bob Hastings, Jughead with Harlan Stone. Mom and Dad Andrews were played by Alice Orman and Arthur Cole. Veronica and Betty by Gloria Mann and Rosemary Rice. The forewalker was Ray Hedge. This program was produced and directed by Kenneth McGregor. Listen next Saturday when Swift & Company, makers of Swift Premium Franks and Swift Brookfield Sausage, bring you more of the merry adventures of Archie Andrews. This is Bob Sherry wishing you a very pleasant weekend. So long. <laughs> Christian Company invites you to stay tuned for Meet the Meek, which follows immediately over most of these stations. <laughs> 
This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Okay, guys, if you remember the old Blondie and Dagwood show, um, this next one is from that, and it's called, the, it's, it's a takeoff on the uh, Christmas Carol. It's and, and it's just simply called Scrooge. And it's just kind of cute. It ain't really uh, nothing all that special, but it's, it's, it's kind of cute because Blondie, she's kind of... Um, She's kind of out there, <laughs> and so is Dagwood, too. But anyway, this is called Blondie, and um, it is Scrooge. Ah, uh, 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 don't touch that dial. Listen to... <laughs> and now, since our weekly visit to the Bumsteads falls on Christmas Day... We find them surrounded by ex-Christmas packages and what came out of them. Dagwood's on the couch, relaxing after dinner, and somewhere, not quite far enough off, Baby beats a toy drum. And at the desk, Blondie is checking over some figures of her own. Dagwood, hmm? I've been going over the list of people who sent us Christmas cards. Hmm? And the list of people we sent cards to. Uh-huh. You can't win, Dagwood. Uh-huh. It's always the same way. This year, we sent three cards to people who didn't send us any. Oh, well, we got plenty. That isn't it, Dagwood. Six people sent us cards that we didn't send any to. Now, isn't that terrible? Well, we could send three extras we got to three people we didn't and uh, come out three ahead. No, no, Dagwood. No? We'll have to make up for it next year. Mm-hmm. Look, Blondie, let's not start figuring on next year yet, huh? I'm all tired out from this one. Oh. Hey, who gave baby dumpling that drum? Mr. Fuddle. Uh-huh. Spite work. Oh, no, Dagwood. I'll bet it was. Just because I gave their little Alvin a bugle. Hey, look at Daddy. Look at Lily. I'm up there, right? Yes, we see you, baby. Yeah, we hear you too, baby. Look, go be a parade over at Fuddles. Oh, huh? now, Dagwood, it's Christmas. I know, but I was up practically all night helping Santa Claus. Oh, did you see him, Daddy? Huh? Oh, sure. Did he say what he was so mad about? Uh, huh? How's that, baby? Oh, Sandy never gets mad. He was last night. I heard him. Oh, dear. Uh, what did you hear, baby? Well, I heard a big bump and it woke me up. Then I heard Santa hollering that he stepped on a roller skate. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. You must remember not to leave those skates around, baby. Suppose Sandy did get mad and never came back. Oh, he'd forget us by next year. <laughs> oh, gosh. They put strong stuff in those drums, don't they? Don't they ever break? It's because I'm such a good drummer. I know that's kind of hard to get it. Here I go. But I'll be back. No hurry. <laughs> Boy, I'm tired. If it was quiet, I bet I'd sleep for a week. What are you figuring now, Blondie? Oh, just making sure we sent a present to everybody who sent us one. We did. Yeah, we sent one extra, too. To Dithers. Can you imagine that guy not giving us a present this year, Blondie? Oh, I guess he just overlooked it. He did not. He's just too mean. Oh, no, Dagwood. It it was just some mistake. You know who Dithers reminds me of? Mm-mm. That old bird in Dickens' Christmas Carol, Scrooge. 
tag one. Yes, sir. You know, Aunt Bessie sent Baby a copy of that story. I know. And, uh, and while you were getting dinner, I read it to Baby. I read it twice. And Scrooge reminded me of dinners both times. Oh, golly, here comes the drum again. Well, I'll try to keep Baby quiet if you want a little nap, Dad. A little nap? I'm short a whole night's sleep now. Baby! Baby! Not so loud. Poor Daddy's tired. Stop now. Well, but Mommy, this is about all I have to play with. Why, Baby Dumpling, you have lots of toys. They're most all broken now, Mommy. Why did you break the quiet ones first? Here's your toy telephone. You could play with that. Make believe you're calling up somebody. Okay, Mommy. Well, I put my drum down. Oh, oh. Uh, listen, baby. Uh, call up Mommy on that, that uh, toy phone and ask her to keep the house quiet, huh? Daddy wants a nap. Okay, Daddy. <laughs> Hello. Is this you, Mommy? Hello. Yes, baby. Hey, Mommy. Is it okay for Daddy to go to sleep on the couch with his shoes on? Oh. Well, on Christmas, I guess it is. Okay, bye. Hey, Mommy, read me a story. Well, what would you like? That book and Nancy spent Christmas Carol. Daddy said he read you that twice. Yeah, I did. It's a fine story, but twice in one day is enough. I know it by heart. You read it, Mommy. Oh, all right. I'll read softly so Daddy can sleep. Here it is. Start here where it tells about the mean old Scrooge, Molly. All right. It says, Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Hard and sharp as flint. My, my goodness. I think Daddy does know it by heart. Yeah. Reminds me of Dithers. Shh, Dad. Go on, Molly. Well, he carried his own low temperature always about with him. He iced his office on dog days and didn't thaw it one degree at Christmas. Oh, Scrooge, dithers. The heaviest rain and snow and hail and sleet could boast of the advantage over him in only one respect. They often came down handsomely, and Scrooge never did. Reminds <laughs> me of a fuddle joke. Fuddle, dithers, Scrooge. If Daddy worked for Scrooge, I'd tell him where to get off that. I'd ring him up on my phone and tell him like this. Hello, Scrooge and Dithers, Dad Cratchit speaking. Daddy's dreaming, Mommy. <laughs> he's dreaming he's Bob Cratchit, Scrooge's clerk. The door of Scrooge's counting house was open so that he might keep his eye upon his clerk, who in a dismal little cell was copying letters. Scrooge and Dithers Construction Company. Mr. Scrooge is in conference. This is Dad Cratchit. Cratchit! Oh, huh? Oh, uh, hello, Mr. Scrithers. Uh, uh, Mr. Doogie. Uh, I'm... Hey, Mr. Scrooge, Cratchit. You sound like Dithers. Ah, who's Dithers? The man who sounds like you. What's the matter with you? Are you sleeping on my time? I don't know. I feel kind of funny. You've probably gone batty, Cratchit. When I came in, you were talking to yourself. Oh, no, sir. I was talking on the phone. Phone? Huh? What's that? Uh, why, this thing right here. And I... Uh, uh, oh, hey, where is it? I never heard of a phone. Oh, my mistake. I guess they haven't been invented yet. No. And if they had been, I wouldn't have one. Too expensive. Uh, there's something mighty funny about all this. Ain't funny to me, Cratchit. Wake up! Oh, I wish I could. Trouble is, I keep this office too hot for you. Hot? 
Look at the frost on the windows, Mr. Scrooge. Nonsense. That's just a little fog outside. It's foggy all over London today. London? Uh, oh, yeah. You are tipsy, Cratchit. Huh? Been drinking the ink? No, sir. I never drink ink. Anyway, it's frozen. Nonsense. Look at the blaze in that fireplace. Oh, that's nothing but some red paper with a candle behind it. Well, use your imagination, Cratchit. Uh, look, Mr. Scrooge, it's Christmas Eve. Couldn't I have a real fire? Just one lump of coal? No. Oh. I can't get at the coal. I'm not going to open the safe again today. Well, then, can I have a sip of water? Now it's water. Well, just a sip. Next it'll be two sips, and then a glass. And then you'll want to bathe in the stuff. Never mind. The water is frozen, too. Good. It'll last longer that way. Now get back to your stool and get to work. Yes, sir. Crack it! Oh, no, yes, sir. What's the idea of two candles burning at once? One each side of the ledger. Uh, why, that's a little invention of mine, Mr. Scrooge. <laughs> I, I can see both sides of the ledger at once that way. Pah! You only work on one side at a time. There. One's enough. Listen, it sounds like a drum. Nonsense, that's a horse. It's some fool wasting his money on a handsome cab. Probably my nephew, Fred. Well, it must be nice to take a cab when it's so foggy. Yeah. Last time Fred took a cab, he parked double in front of Buckingham Palace. And I had to fix his ticket. Listen, they must have met another cab. The traffic in London today is a menace to life and limb. I'll write a letter to the Times. It says, speaking of your nephew, Fred, reminds me. He sent a message today. If he wants money, he won't get it. No, sir. He just said, Merry Christmas. He sent it collect. Merry humbug. Pistache. Fiddle faddle. Christmas. Ah. Oh, come, Mr. Scrooge. Don't Mr. Scrooge me. I suppose you're leading up to asking for the day off tomorrow. Yes, sir. If quite convenient. Well, it isn't. What are you putting your tippet on now for? It's after closing time, sir. And it's a long walk to Camden Town, now that the horse trams have stopped running. What? Stopped? Why wasn't I told? Well, right after you got on the board of directors, Mr. Scrooge, <laughs> the tram stopped running. Why? What happened? Well, you gave orders to cut down the horse's hay. I put him in training, that's all. Uh-huh. Gave him one handful less every day. That way, they didn't miss it. Uh-huh. And in a few weeks, I'd have them used to no hay. Yes, sir. But just when they were getting used to it... They all died. Ah, just lack of cooperation, that's all. Well, don't stand talking, Cratchit. If you're going, get out. Yes, you're wasting the candle. Yes, sir. Uh, could I have my week's wages now? Christmas shopping, you know. <laughs> A fool and his money are soon parted, Cratchit. You'll never be rich if you spend as fast as you get it. Well, my family... You can't afford a family. No. Utter extravagance. Oh, but here you are. Five shillings and tuppence halfpenny. Just for loafing here all last week. Thank you, sir. But it should be five shillings, threepence, halfpenny. Huh? Why the extra penny? I loafed half a day on Sunday, too. Ah, get out! Right. And be here all the earlier day after tomorrow. Yes, sir. Knock, knock. Who's there? Dag. Dag who? Dag gone. I forgot to wish you Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge. Merry Pollycock Cratchit. Scaram. Yes, sir. <laughs> Daddy's still asleep, baby Dumpling. Sure, Mommy. He thinks he's running in his dreams. Look at his legs. Whee! He thinks he's 
sliding. Maybe he's dreaming about where Bob Cratchit slid downhill with the boys 20 times before he ran all the way home to Camden Town. And Mrs. Cratchit and Tiny Tim. Hey, Blondie, Blondie Cratchit. Where's Tiny Dumplin'? Here I am, Father. Well, Dad Cratchit, what kept you so long tonight? <laughs> well, I ran all the way home. Who's that in the chimney corner? Cratchit! Oh, this is... Well, it's Mr. Scrooge. Uh, how did you get your head on me? I flew, Cratchit. Flew through the air. Oh, you must be spoofing, sir. I never spoof. I had a nasty experience. I found a ghost in my bedroom. Huh? I was counting my money before going to bed... And when I took the padlock off my wallet... I know. A moth flew out. Yes. No! wasn't a moth. It was a ghost. And it didn't come out of my wallet. It wafted through the wall. But that's not the worst. No? No. Oh. This ghost said three other ghosts would come for me. They're going to take me for a ride. Oh, my. Gangster ghosts? No, Christmas ghosts. The first one will be there when the clock strikes one. But I'll fool him. I won't be there. I'll be here. Well, that's fooling them. Oh, hey, maybe they will follow you here. Oh, there goes the clock. Oh, here comes the ghost. I hear him on the stairs. Oh, maybe just one of the neighbors. No, it's the ghost coming for me. In a minute, he'll knock on that door. If you're going to knock, knock. That is one of our neighbors. Sure, uh, Fezziwig Fuddle. <laughs> He's a card, too. Don't let him in. I am in, old Scrooge Ball. <laughs> that sounds like Fezziwig Fuddle. Yeah, and it looks a little like him. But it kind of looks like a ghost, too. Well, that just goes to show you. <laughs> what do you want with me? Why, buddy, I'm the senior member of the firm of Ghost, Ghost, and Ghost. Tours de Luxe. Have a card, chum. Where are the other members of the firm, huh? All the other boys will be along with huh. Now we have tours of Christmas past, present, and future. I head up the past department myself. Ready for a little excursion, Scrooge No, I don't want to go back in the past. I, uh, I've been there. Well, you never know the old place now. <laughs> Come on, this is for free. Oh, free? Any tips? Nary a tip, pal. Come on, I'll show you some nice spirit. No, you'll get me back in the past and then make me walk home. Oh, no, no tricks on our personally conducted ghost ride, friend. That wouldn't be showing the right spirit. <laughs> you get it? Uh, look, Mr. Scrooge, oh, why don't you go with him? He makes me nervous. Yes, Mr. Scrooge, a little fresh air would do you good. Don't worry, folks. He'll go with me, okay, when the clock strikes one. Oh, oh, it's going to strike now. I'm not going. I, I'll hold on to Dad Cratchit here. No, no, listen. Let go. Oh. Look at Mommy. The ghost is fading. So is Mr. Scrooge. So am I. Help! Oh. You're all gone, Mommy. Oh, Blondie. several reasons why so many thousands of smokers are turning to slow-burning camel cigarettes. Extra mildness is one, also extra coolness, and the extra fine flavor and aroma of camel's finer, more expensive tobaccos. But don't overlook this fact. Slow-burning camels also give you economy. 
Recent impartial laboratory tests tell the whole story. In these tests, camels burn 25% slower than the average of the 15 other of the largest selling brands tested, slower than any of them. Now that means camels give a smoking plus, equal on the average, to five extra smokes per pack. So join those who are turning to slow-burning, to slow-burning camel cigarettes. And to all of you who received camels for Christmas, may you enjoy more pleasure per puff and more puffs per pack in America's number one cigarette, camels. And now, back in the Bumstead home, we find Blondie still reading to Baby Dumpling and Dagwood still on the couch, dreaming that he is Dag Cratchit. He seems to be having a double feature dream, so let's catch the last half. Hey, hey, let go. Let go. Let go, Scrooge. Oh. Hey, hey, Scrooge. Open your eyes. We're back home again. Well, Dad Cratchit, you gave me a turn. Going out with a perfect stranger like that ghost. I couldn't help it, Blondie Cratchit. Have a nice night, Father? Well, yes and no. No, but definitely no. Huh? Uh, see, uh, the ghost showed Mr. Scrooge's old school days. Boy, was little Scrooge smart at arithmetic. Oh, I don't know. Sure you were. Listen, the teacher asked him if he had $5 to divide among nine other kids, how much would each kid get? And Scrooge figured each kid would get uh, 30 cents. Well, I was young and green in those days. I could make a real deal with those kids now. Mm, I see what spoiled your trip now, Mr. Scrooge. Remorse. Yeah. Well, maybe the next trip will be better. The next? Oh, I'd forgotten those other blasted ghosts. You think they'll show up? Oh, listen. Yeah, yeah he, he, here comes the next one. The ghost of Christmas present. Why, that sounds like the Fezziwig Fuddle ghost again. Come in. I am in, buddy. I just went through the wall. <laughs> You're the same one who was here before. I thought you were the ghost of Christmas past. Spook for your spooking to, Scrooge. Yeah. <laughs> You see, our firm is pretty busy right now, and I have to double up on my route. So, so now you're the ghost of Christmas present, huh? No. The way old Scrooge has been acting, he ain't going to get any Christmas presents. <laughs> you get it? Oh, I'm part of the firecracker tonight. Well, if you're a firecracker, why don't you go off? How's that? Get it? <laughs> no. Oh. Well, look, leave me out of this next trip, huh, will you? What's the matter? Did you like to ride? Well, uh, you know how it is. I'm not used to flying over housetops with ghosts. Ghosts fly a little high for you, eh? Well, around Christmas time, you've got to expect high spirits. <laughs> oh, I got a million. Huh? You got a million? Well, now, maybe we can do business. We're going to do business, Pop. My way. Get ready to really step out when the clock strikes one. Again? I don't know what's got into that clock tonight. Listen, I don't want to see any more spooks. Why not? You're kind of a shady character yourself. <laughs> Ooh, get ready. There goes the clock. No, no, I won't go. Don't grab me this time. Hold on to the table. Oh, he's gone. So is the table. Oh, look. Yeah, the ghost sent back the table. Well, we'll have something to eat Christmas dinner off of anyway. Yes, but, but we haven't anything in the house for Christmas dinner. You mean there isn't any little snack at all in the icebox? Uh, icebox? What's that? Oh, I forgot. That's another thing they haven't invented yet. What will it be when it is invented? Oh, boy. Why, it'll be something to keep food in. All kinds of food and sandwich material. 
Boy, can I make a sandwich when I have the stuff. It's a shame we're so poor, Dad Cratchit. Yeah, no Christmas dinner. I tried to borrow one of those two crows the chimney sweep caught, but it didn't work. He needed them for his own Christmas dinner, I guess. Yeah, he said his wife's folks were coming over. Well, don't you care, Dad Cratchit. We're better off than poor Mr. Scrooge. Imagine being haunted by flying ghosts like that. Hey, listen. It's one of the ghost boys again. Oh, what does he want now? Scrooge isn't here anymore. Well, well, open the door and see what he wants, Dad Cratchit. It makes me nervous when he floats through the wall. Okay, I'm coming. Ha-ha! Fooled you, didn't I? Why, it's Mr. Scrooge. Why, Mr. Scrooge, how did you get away from that last ghost? Ha, they weren't ghosts at all. No? No. Just something I asked. Oh. You mean you were dreaming? That must have been it. But but how did we get into your dream? Anything can get into a dream, Blondie Cratchit. Look, you want to see what I can do? Look, my arms are empty, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Well, abracadabra, hocus, pocus. Now look. Gosh. A turkey. What a turkey. Uh-huh. It's the biggest bird I ever saw. <laughs> I told you so. I can produce all the fixings, too, because I'm in your dream now. <laughs> hey, 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 Mr. Scrooge, <laughs> you've changed a lot since I last saw you. Well, I'll tell you, Dad Cratchit. Uh-huh. When I woke up from my dream, I knew I'd been stingy all my life. I was so glad to discover I still had a chance to celebrate Christmas as it should be celebrated that I went around yelling a Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy New Year to all the world. Hello! Whoops! Hello! You did? Yeah. Silly, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. It's not better than being... Well... Say it. Grouchy. I know. Well, that's all over for me. Why, I'm so generous now, it hurts. I'm I'm loose as ashes. Yeah? Definitely spendthrift. Why, I went down to the office and lit two candles. Oh, goodness. Not only that, but I'm going to let them burn all night. (laughs) Hello, boy. And you know what, Dad Cratchit? No, what? Well, I lit a real fire in the fireplace. Both lumps of coal. Bingo, like that. Gosh. And then when they were burning good, I went back to the safe and I took out the mortgage I hold over this house you live in. The mortgage? Uh Uh-huh. And I carried it over to the fire. Oh, Mr. Scrooge, did you burn the mortgage? Well, uh, no, but I gave it a pretty bad scorching. Oh, well, uh, say, thanks, Mr. Scrooge. Don't mention it, my boy. Why, <laughs> what a fine fellow you are, Dad Cratchit. Huh? I'm going to raise your wages. Oh, Mr. Scrooge. I insist. Now, let's eat that turkey. It has to be cooked yet. Why, it is cooked. Didn't you notice? Oh, my. When did that happen? And look, Dad Cratchit, the table's all set. <laughs> I fixed that, too. Oh, and and when we're all through eating, will the dishes wash themselves? Why, hmm? positively. I keep telling you, Blondie Cratchit, anything can happen tonight. Oh, oh a, a raise and a turkey. Thanks, Mr. Scrooge. Say, you're the best boss in the world. From now on, Dad Cratchit, that's what I'm going to be. The top. Why, I'd rather work for you than the WPA. Listen, the bell. The Christmas bell. Hooray for Christmas. Hooray for you, too. Hey, wait. That's an electric bell. They aren't invented yet. Hey, wait, Scrooge. Don't fade away like that. Wait, Blondie. Where are you going? Oh, my goodness. That doorbell is waking Daddy up, baby. Hurry and open the door. 
Mr. Dillard, Mommy. Hello, Mommy. Where's Bumstead? My, what a nice surprise, Mr. Dillard. Why, oh, uh, there's Dad went on the couch. He's, he's been sleeping. No, Dreaming. Don't, don't, don't go away. I'm not going anywhere. I just came in. Best boss a man ever had. How's that? Does he mean me? Oh, why, yes, of course. Well... I never knew just how Bumstead felt about me before. Hooray! Hooray for my boss, Mr. Scrooge. Huh? What did he call me? Scrooge? No, no. Uh, Maybe I'd better wake Dagwood up. I'll wake him. Bumstead! I'm coming. I'll put out the candle. Candle? What candle? Wake up, Bumstead. Uh, Wake up, Daddy. Yes, wake up, dear. Oh, hey, what's the matter? Where am I? At home. Oh, yeah. You're still asleep. I'll get my drum. Go out to my car, baby, Dumbo, and there's a present for you out there. Oh, boy. Hey, Dad, snap out of it. Remember me? Oh, sure. Oh, hello, Mr. Diddlers. Say thanks for the turkey. Uh, Turkey? What turkey? Oh, oh, no, that was in my dream. (sighs) Biggest... Turkey I ever saw. Mm, you would dream about food, Dad. Not only food. Guys, that was a funny dream. Want to hear it, huh? Uh, some other time, Dag. Right now, I want to give you a present. Oh, a present? Yep. Held it back till today to surprise you. Here it is. A bonus check. Oh, Dagwood. Look at the figure on that check. For me? Yep. From you? Certainly. I'm still dreaming. Why, Dagwood, that's not nice. Just just look at that check. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> hey, it, didn't you make a mistake? I've made a good many, Bumstead, in the past. But, uh, <clears throat> I uh, want you to know, Bumstead, that the J.C. Divis Company appreciates the fine spirit you've shown. Uh-huh. A, uh, a very fine spirit of uh, cooperation and uh, loyalty to our interests. Uh-huh. Therefore, in appreciation of your work... And uh, to promote the welfare of your peaceful little home. I say peaceful little home. Baby, where did you get that bass drum? Quiet, baby. Uh, oh, 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 uh, sorry. Uh, what were you saying, Mr. Peter? <laughs> Never mind. Take the check. And have a good time. Well, i got to get home to Corey now. See you later. Oh, Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Thanks for the check. Thanks for the bass drum, too. Oh, welcome. <laughs> Well, Dagwood, I hope you're ashamed of yourself now. Me? Why? Oh, just before you went to sleep, you said Mr. Dithers reminded you of old Scrooge. <laughs> well, what of it? Scrooge turned out all right. So did Dithers. Hey, Daddy, can huh? I take my new bass drum over to Elvin Fuddles? <laughs> sure, why not? Let's all go over to the Fuddles. Now, Dagwood, huh? maybe the Fuddles want to relax after their Christmas dinner. They may want quiet. Relax? Quiet? On Christmas? Oh, no, come on. We'll serenade them. Hey, give me that bass drum, baby. Now, Dad. Well, he can have his little drum, and you take the tin trumpet off the tree, Blondie. Well, oh, I'd rather play than listen. Come on. <laughs> Here we go. We're a parade. We'll go over and wish the Fuddles Merry Christmas. And the whole neighborhood. And the whole world. Right. Merry Christmas, everybody. From Blondie and Dagwood. And Baby Dumplin. Merry Christmas. <laughs> is played by Penny Singleton and Dagwood by Arthur Lake, the Columbia Picture Stars. And so, till next Monday, we leave the Bumsteads, Blondie and Dagwood. 
But the makers of Camel Cigarettes have other radio treats for you during the week. Tomorrow night over these same stations, you can listen to the music of Bob Crosby and the best Dixieland band in the land with the Ink Spots as his special guests. And if you like swing, well, you'd better make a date with your radio for Saturday night when Benny Goodman and the world's greatest swing band with Mildred Bailey bring you another musical caravan. That's a tip for your radio pleasure. And for your smoking pleasure, let us suggest that you try camels. You'll find more pleasure per puff, more puffs per pack. Our Blondie Orchestra is directed by Billy Arts, who also creates the special musical effects. This is Bill Goodwin saying Merry Christmas for the makers of Camel Cigarettes. Good night, all. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Folks, this next one, this is my strawberry on top for the week. And um, a lot of times I make my strawberry something, you know, different from what I'm already playing. I mean, from what the show theme is. And, uh, but since it's Christmas, I haven't been doing that. So this one is, I love all of these playhouses and theaters and stuff like that that they had. Um in the days of old time radio and this one is no exception it's called Campbell Playhouse and uh, I think what they had to do with uh, you know they were the old Campbell soups and all that stuff so I think that's what this is Mm -hmm. Uh, they're sponsored by them so Um, but kick back and enjoy their adaptation of A Christmas Carol. The makers of Campbell Soups present The Campbell Playhouse. Orson Welles, producer. could be introduced. Myself, I am most struck by the happy fortune that enables us on this Christmas Eve to present Mr. Lionel Barrymore, the best-loved actor of our time, in the world's best-loved Christmas story, A Christmas Carol. When Charles Dickens presented this little story to the world almost a hundred years ago, it found an instant response in the hearts of people everywhere who saw in it their favorite fictional chronicle of what Christmas is and what Christmas means to all the simple people of the earth. From the day of its first printing, families have been innumerable in which there has remained unbroken the tradition that the reading of a Christmas carol was an item indispensable to a proper observance of the most important of days. It is the American way, as we know, to establish traditions quickly where popular instinct and sentiment pronounce them sound. 
And so it is that today, actually only the fifth anniversary of Mr. Lionel Barrymore's first playing of the part of Ebenezer Scrooge for the Campbell Playhouse, there is, I think, in all America nothing more eagerly awaited, more firmly rooted in the hearts of the radio family that numbers millions than this yearly performance of A Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol, as Charles Dickens wrote it, has by common consent long been a classic. Mr. Lionel Barrymore's appearance in it is rapidly becoming one. And now, just before a Christmas carol, Ernest Chappell has a special Christmas greeting from the makers of Campbell Soups. Mr. Chappell? Thank you, Orson Welles. As the old year draws toward its close, we of Campbell's feel a bond of warmth and gratitude toward each of you, our friends. For you see, in homes everywhere throughout the land, Campbell's Soups have been welcomed. Day by day and week by week, you have placed confidence in us and in the foods we make. And there isn't anything we appreciate more deeply than the fact that so many of you have elected to let Campbell's make your soups for you. And so when Christmas comes, we look about to find some way to show our appreciation, some Christmas present by which to say thank you. The gift we chose five Christmases ago and have chosen each year since has become a part of Christmas to many and many a family. It has become a Christmas custom, as Mr. Wells said, to gather around the radio to hear and to enjoy A Christmas Carol. And since it is Christmas Eve, we hope, too, that the younger members of the family are permitted to stay up and listen before dreams and visit of Santa. We get a great deal of pleasure planning and preparing this Christmas gift, and now it's ready. Off come the wrappings, off come the tags that say, please do not open till Christmas. Out comes the card. To you from Campbell's. And here is the gift itself. dead to begin with. There's no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it. And Scrooge's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. Scrooge knew he was dead? Of course he did. Scrooge and Marley were partners for I don't know how many years. Ah, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone with Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. And once upon a time, of all the good days in the year, on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house, a grim, cheerless place if ever there was one. The door of Scrooge's counting house was open that he might keep his eye upon his clerk, Bob Cratchit, who in a cold and dismal little cell beyond worked at his ledgers. Merry gentlemen, let nothing you disturb. 23, 26, 29, 9 carry 2. Christmas Day, 11, 13, 17, 7. Ah, Bradgett! Uh, yes, Mr. Scrooge? Stop that infernal chatterwalling. Yes, sir. 
Go somewhere else and fill her your blasted calories or I'll give you in charge. Yes, and I don't want any of your old customs. Take your fellow fools and go away. Christmas. Blah. Right, sir. Merry Christmas anyway, sir. Ah. Now you get that letter from Higgins and Blackthorn, Cratchit, and then I want you to finish posting this ledger. And after that, you can pop over to Fothergill's and tell Ephraim Fothergill you've come after the 17 shillings and sixpence he's owed me since Michaelmas. And tell him I shall have a constable over there if he doesn't pay up at once. Well, Mr. Fothergill's wife has been ill, sir. Oh, what do I care about his wife? I want my 17 and 6. I uh, just thought it being Christmas, sir. Christmas, Christmas. You mention that word to me once more, Bob Cratchit, and I'll... Merry Christmas, Uncle. Merry Christmas, Bob. Merry Christmas, Mr. Fred. God save you, Uncle. Uh, humbug. Christmas or humbug, Uncle? Now, I'm sure you don't mean that. I mean just that. Exactly that. Merry Christmas. What right have you to be merry? What reason have you? You're poor enough. Well, what right have you to be dismal about Christmas, Uncle? You're rich enough. Yeah. Now, Uncle, don't be cross. Well, what else can I be when I live in such a world of fools? What's Christmas to you but a time for paying bills without money? Merry Christmas. Time for finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips would be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. He should. Uncle. Now, nephew, keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it, Uncle. Well, let me leave it alone, then. What do you want? Christmas gift, I've no doubt. I came to wish you a Merry Christmas, Uncle. A Merry Christmas. Much good may Christmas do you. <laughs> Much good it ever has done you. There are many things from which I derive good, by which I have not profited materially, I dare say, Uncle. Christmas among the rest. But I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. And therefore, Uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe it has done me good and will do me good. And I say, God bless it. God bless Christmas. Come on. Let me hear another sound out of you there, Bob Cratchit, and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. As to you, nephew, I wonder you don't go into Parliament. You talk enough nonsense. Oh, don't be angry, Uncle. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why can't we be friends? Good afternoon. I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, I've tried. A Merry Christmas to you, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year, too. Ah, humbug. And a Merry Christmas to you, Bob, and the missus, and the tiny kill. Thank you, Mr. Craig. Same to you, sir. Good day, sir. Good day, Bob. Nonsense. Twaddle. Flummery. The talking of Christmas and not two sixpences to jingle together in his trousers' pocket. Hey, you there, Bob Cratchit. Come here. What are you doing there? Only putting a bit more coal in the fire, Mr. Scrooge. Seeing it's so cold in there, sir. You put that coal back into the scuttle. A fire. A fire, indeed. I can tell you, if you use coal at that rate, you and I will soon be parting company, Bob Cratchit. You understand that? There's many a young fellow like your situation, you know. I'm sorry, sir. My fingers were getting a little stiff with the cold. Well, then put on your mittens. Someone at the door. Go on, see who it is. Uh, yes, sir. 
Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. This is the firm of Scrooge and Marley? Yes, sir. I should like to see the head of the firm, if I may. Oh, very good, sir. What is it? A gentleman to see you, Mr. Scrooge. Huh? Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Marley's been dead these seven years tonight. I'm Scrooge. Well, now, Mr. Scrooge, at this season of the year, it's only fitting that we who are more fortunate should raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of want. You may not believe it, sir, but many thousands are now in want of common necessities. Right. And hundreds of thousands are in want of the simplest comforts. Uh, are there no prisons? Well, there are plenty of prisons, sir. And the workhouses, they're still in operation, I trust? I wish I could say they are not. But they are, sir. The treadmill and the poor law are in full vigor, then? Both very busy, sir. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I was afraid from what you said at first that something had occurred to stop them in their useful course. No, sir. All these institutions that you mention are flourishing. But it's nevertheless true that some additional provision for the poor and the destitute must be made. Nah. A few of us upon change are endeavoring to raise such a fund, you see. <laughs> and uh, what shall I put you down for? Nothing. Oh, I see. You wish to be anonymous, sir. I wish to be let alone. I don't make merry myself at Christmas time, and I can't afford to help make a lot of idle people merry. I help to support the establishments that take care of the poor. They cost enough. Let those who are badly off go there. Many can't go there, sir. And many would rather die. Then my advice to them is to do so and decrease the surplus population. Besides, I've only your word for it that all this is so. It's the truth, Mr. Scrooge. Well, so be it, then. It's not my business. It's enough for a man to understand his own business and not to interfere with other people's. Mine occupies me constantly. Good afternoon, sir. I quite understand, Mr. Scrooge. Good Thank afternoon. you. Show this gentleman out. Yes, sir. This way, sir, please. Sir, I couldn't help overhearing. I... Should like to contribute, Tuppence. Thank you. Yes, sir. It isn't much, but it's all I can afford. But there are others in worse situation than I. You're a generous fellow. I wish I might say so of your employer. Thank you. Yes, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes, sir. Close the door. Yes, sir. 24, 31. One and carry three. New scarlet tippet for Tiny Tim. And comb for Martha. Thirty-three, three and carry three. A hair ribbon for Belinda. Four, seven, twelve, fifteen. Thank you. Yes, yes, sir. It's too late to have you go to Father Gill's. He'll be closed up for Christmas like these other fools. We may as well close up the place now. Yes, sir. It is getting a little dark. Mm. Hard to see the figures. I, I suppose you'll want the entire day tomorrow. If it's quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient. And it's not fair, either. But I suppose I can't do anything about it. <laughs> if I was to stop half a crown of your wages, you'd think yourself very ill-used, I'll be bound. Well, sir, I... Yeah, but you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. It's only once a year, sir. Once a year. Once a year, indeed. A fine excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose there's no good talking. You must have the whole day. Well, see that you're here all the earlier the next morning. You understand? Oh, I will, sir. I will indeed. Good night, sir, and Merry Christmas. Ah. Merry Christmas! Ah. <laughs> 
office was closed in a twinkling, and Bob Cratchit, with the long ends of his white comforter dangling below his waist, for he boasted no greatcoat, went down a slide on Cornhill 20 times in honor of its being Christmas Eve, and then ran home to Camden Town as hard as he could pelt to play with his family at Blind Man's Buff. Scrooge, on the other hand, took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern. Having read all the newspapers and spent the rest of the evening with his banker's book, went to its dismal house. Darkness is cheap, and Scrooge liked it. The yard was so dark that even Scrooge, who knew its every stone, had to grope with his hands through the fog and the frost to find the door. Scrooge walked through his rooms to see that all was right. Sitting room? Bedroom? Lumber room? All as they should be. Nobody under the table, nobody under the sofa, nobody under the bed, nobody in the closet. Close the door. He locked himself in. He double-locked himself in. And took off his cravat, put on his dressing gown and slippers and his nightcap. And sat down before the fire to take his gruel. Marley. 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 I could have sworn I saw... Marley's been dead these seven years. Humbug. All humbug. What I need is a good night. What? What's that? Someone's in the plane, sir. But the door's locked and double locked. Something's... It's, it's coming. Some, something is... It, it's coming closer. Outside my door. Ah, I won't believe it. It's humbug still. Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> Marley. <laughs> oh, no. What do you want with me? I want much of you, Ebenezer. Who? Who are you? Ask me who I was. Uh-huh. You're very particular for a all right, then. Who were you? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Jacob Marley. But you're dead. You died seven years ago. Seven years ago this very night. You are the ghost, then. What's wrong, Ebenezer? Don't you believe in me? I do not. You doubt your senses? Yes, yes. Because a little thing affects them. Slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheats. You can't be a ghost. You, you may be an undigested bit of beef, or a blot of mustard, or a crumb of cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. <laughs> yeah, there may be more gravy than grave about you, whatever you are. Ah, humbug, I tell you. Humbug. Excuse me, Excuse me. I do believe in you. You are a ghost, Jake. Thank you. Well, why do you... Why do you walk the earth, Jacob? Why do you come to me? It 
It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide to witness what it cannot share but might have shared on earth and turn to happiness. But tell me, Jacob, did... What is that chain you wear around you? I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard by my own free will. Is its pattern strange to you, Ebenezer? Cash boxes, keys, padlocks, ledges, and purses? Yours was as heavy as as long as this seven years ago. You haven't labored on it since, Ebenezer. Oh, Jacob. Speak comfort to me, Jacob. Comfort I have none to give. I cannot rest. I cannot stay. I cannot linger. Weary journeys lie before me. You travel fast? Yes, Ebenezer. On the wings of the wind. Mm. Seven years dead and traveling all the time? Seven years, Ebenezer. Seven years of remorse. Ebenezer, do you know that no space of regret can make amends for one life's opportunities misused? But you were always a good man of business, Jacob. Business? Mankind was my business. Charity, mercy, benevolence. They were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. Oh, Jacob, Jacob, don't take on so now. Jacob. Listen to me, Ebenezer. I listen to you, Jacob. Go on, Jacob, now. Speak to me, but don't be so flowery. Ebenezer, I am here to warn you that you have yet a chance and hope of escaping my fate. Do you hear that, Ebenezer? Yes, Jacob. Yes, you, you always were a good friend to me, Jacob. Thanks, Jacob. But, but go on, go on, go on, go on. How shall I escape? Oh, I'm afraid, Jacob. You will be haunted by three spirits. Is that the only chance and hope, Jacob? It is your only chance and hope. Well, then I think I'd rather not. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. Expect the first tomorrow. And the bell tolls one. Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over, Jacob? Ebenezer, look that for your own sake you remember what has passed between us. And remember, when the bell tolls one, look for the first spirit. Marley! Marley! lying on his bed fully dressed. Suddenly the curtains of his bed were drawn aside and Scrooge found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them as close to it as I am now to you. And I am standing in the spirit at your elbow. It was a strange figure, like a child. Yet not so like a child as like an old man. Its hair, which hung about its neck and down its back, was white as if with age. And yet the face had not a wrinkle in it, and the tenderest bloom was on the skin. The arms were long and muscular, the hands the same. 
as if its hold were of uncommon strength. Ebenezer Scrooge. <gasps> Who, who's that? Ebenezer Scrooge, I have come for you. Oh, you, uh, are you the spirit, sir, whose coming was foretold me? I am that spirit. Uh, who, 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 what are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? No, your past. But what do you want of me? What brings you here to haunt me? Your welfare, Ebenezer Scrooge. Rise and walk with me. Oh, no, 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 no. No, not, not out of the window. I can't do that. I'll fall down. I'm not a spirit. I'm mortal, and I'll fall. Bear but a touch of my hand upon your heart, and you shall be upheld in more than this. Come, follow me. Where are we? What's become of the city? There's snow upon the ground. Where are we? These are the shadows of the things that have been. You recognize this countryside? Oh, I know every inch of it. Every rock, every tree. And that bleak building over there? Oh, that building. I was a boy there. Yes, I went to school in that horrible place. Do you recollect that path? I could walk it blindfold. Strange you should forget it so many years. Come, let us go closer. Look through the window into that cold, barren room. What do you see, Ebenezer Scrooge? I see a boy. A solitary child, neglected by his family, alone. Yes, yes, I see. I know that boy. Oh, oh I was so lonely. Poor boy. Your lip is trembling, Scrooge. And what is that on your cheek? It's nothing. Nothing at all. I wish I... Ah, it's too late now. What's the matter? Nothing, nothing. The waits came to my door singing Christmas carols last night, and there was a boy like that among them. A poor, pale, thin little boy in a ragged coat. I should like to have given him something, that's all. Is that all? Come, Ebenezer Scrooge. Let us see another Christmas. Do you know this place, Ebenezer Scrooge? Know it? Know it? Why, this is the counting house where I was apprenticed. Listen. <laughs> it's my old master, bless his Old Fezziwig. My master, alive again, and hosted one of his Christmas parties. And there's Dick Wilkins. Poor Dick. Dear, dear, dear. Yes, and look, there's Mrs. Fezziwig herself, looking younger than any of them. And the tables, all loaded with roast, and cider, mince pie, and beer. Oh, what a jolly time we used to have. That carefree young man with a light heart and a gay smile, 
Do you recognize him? Yes, yes, yes. Merciful heaven. <clears throat> How happy I was then. A small matter for old Pezzawig to make those silly folks so full of joy. Small matter? Small indeed. Isn't it? He has spent only a few pounds of your mortal money. Is that so much that he deserves praise? Ah, it's not that. It's not that, spirit. Old Fezziwig has the power to make us happy or unhappy. To make our service light or heavy. His power lies in words and looks and in things so tiny that it's impossible to count them up. The happiness he gives is quite as great as if it cost her... What is the matter? Oh, nothing, nothing at all, spirit. Something, I think. No, no. Speak. Well, only it's just that I should like to be able to say a word or two to my club. Bob Cratchit. That's all. My time grows short. And we have yet another journey to make. Where now? Come. This is our last visit to the past, Ebenezer. Here, in this little room, with a fair young girl by your side. Do you recognize yourself, Ebenezer? <gasps> no, 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 no. Spare me this. You're older now. A man in the prime of life. Your face has begun to wear the signs of care and avarice. Your eyes are greedy. The eager, restless eyes of a miser. No, no, please. She knows it, too. That girl by your side. There are tears in her eyes. That is little Ebenezer to you. Very little. I know that. Belle, have I changed toward you? When we were engaged, we were both poor. Was it better, then? Better to be poor? Better, at least, to be happy. You're changed. You were another man, then. I was a boy. Do you blame me because I've grown wiser? Have I ever tried to break our engagement? In words, no. Never. In what, then? In a changed nature. In an altered spirit. In everything that made my love of any value in your sight. So I release you from your promise. Bella. Oh, at first it may cause you pain to lose me. A very brief pain. But soon it will be dim. Like a half-remembered dream. An unprofitable dream. And you will be glad to be awake from such a dream. May you be happy in the life you have chosen, Ebenezer. For the love of him you once knew. It's enough. Show me no more. Take me home. These were shadows of the things that have been. That they are what they are. Do not blame me. No. No more. No more. One shadow more. Come. Do you see this man, Ebenezer Scrooge? This man might have been you. And the woman beside him, your wife. And that girl. That girl might have been your daughter, Ebenezer Scrooge. She might have called you father. She might have been a springtime in the haggard winter of your life. Spirit, let me go. Show me no more. Listen now while they speak, Ebenezer. Well, I saw an old friend of yours today. Who was it? Yes. How can I? It's all I know. Mr. Scrooge. Mr. Scrooge it was. 
I passed his office window. It wasn't shuttered. And there was a candle inside, so I couldn't help seeing him. His partner, Marley, lies at the point of death, I hear. And there Scrooge sat, all alone. Quite alone in the world, I do believe. Spirit, spirit, I can't bear any more. Leave me. Haunt me no more. Take me back. Take me back. On the stroke of one, Scrooge awakened suddenly and sat him bolt upright in his own bed. You remember the words of Marley's ghost and wondered from which direction the second specter would appear. At that moment, nothing between a baby and a rhinoceros would have astonished him very much. Now, being prepared for almost anything, he was not by any means prepared for nothing. And consequently, when no shape appeared, he was taken with a violent fit of trembling. Five minutes, ten minutes, a quarter of an hour went by, yet nothing came. Then, as he sat in his bed, he became aware gradually of a great blaze of ruddy light that seemed to shine upon him from the adjoining room. He got up softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. It was his own sitting room. No doubt about that. But it had undergone a surprising transformation. The walls and ceiling were so hung with living green that it looked a perfect grove. From every part of which bright, gleaming berries glistened and such a mighty blaze went roaring up the chimney as had never been known in Scrooge's time or for many and many a winter season gone. Heaped up on the floor to form a kind of throne were turkeys, geese, game, poultry, great joints of meat, sucking pigs, long wreaths of sausages, mince pies, plum puddings, barrels of oysters, red-hot chestnuts, and seething bowls of punch that made the chamber dim with their delicious steam. In easy state upon this couch, there sat a jolly giant, glorious to see, who bore a glowing torch in shape not unlike Plenty's horn, and held it up high up to shed its light on Scrooge as he came peeping round the door. Come in, come in, Ebenezer Scrooge, and know me better, man. You, you... I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me. You've never seen the light of me before. You, you are different from the other spirit. You're tall, almost a giant, and that great torch you carry. Its light falls into the homes of rich and poor alike. Spirit... Take me where you will. Last time I went against my will and learned a lesson which is working now. If you have anything to teach me, let me profit by it. Touch my robe, Ebenezer Scrooge. Touch my robe. Where you brought me, Spirit? An humble dwelling. An humble street. <laughs> it's miserable enough. Yet there is happiness there. Who, who are these people? Who's that woman and the children? These are the family of your clerk, Bob Cratchit. Oh. He is wife, dressed in a twice turned gown, but brave in ribbons, laying the table for their Christmas dinner. And there, assisting her, is their daughter Belinda. And the young man with a fork in the stuffing. That's Master Peter Cratchit. And the two little Cratchits. Listen, Scrooge. Here, boys, 
your heart alive, Martha, my dear. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Mother. Merry Christmas. How late you are, my dear. Oh, we had a deal of work to finish up last night, and we had to clear away this morning. Well, never mind so long as you're here now. Sit you down before the fire and have a warm. Lord bless you. Where's Father? He's been to church with Tiny Tim. They'll be along directly. How is Tiny Tim, Mother? Any better at all? Sometimes I think he is. And sometimes I think, oh, dear God, if anything should happen to Tiny Tim. Mother... You mustn't even think of such a thing. Here they are! Tiny Tim. Oh, Martha, welcome, my dear. Merry Christmas, Father. And Tim and Tim. Merry Christmas, Martha. Oh, Jim, you darling. Oh, Father, I'm so glad to be home. And we're so glad to have you, Martha. And how did little Tim behave in church, Bob? Oh, as good as gold and better. I like church, Mother. Oh, they sang the nicest songs. I hope people saw me there. Saw you there? And why, Tim? Well, don't you see? Because I'm lame. And if they saw my crutch, it might be pleasant for them to remember on Christmas who it was made lame beggars walk and blind men see. Oh, bless you, my son. Are we ready to eat, Mother? Come on, let's eat. Yes, children, we're all ready. Here we go. Come take your places now. And I'll wait your turn. There's plenty of stuffing and dressing and plum pudding for all of us. Martha, you take care of Tiny Tim and see that he eats plenty. He must get strong and well. Now, just sit down. Sit down, everyone. And now, my dears. Shall we say grace? Spirit. Tell me. If Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner and a crutch without an owner carefully preserved. Oh, no, no. No, no, kind spirit. Say he'll be spared. Say he'll live. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future Ebenezer, the child will die. And now, my dear, with such a dinner, a toast. A Merry Christmas to us all, and God bless us. God bless us, everyone. And now to Mr. Scrooge. I'll give you a toast to Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. The founder of the feast, indeed, who pays you all a 15 shillings a week. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast on, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for oh, it. Oh, my dear, the children, Christmas Day. And it should be Christmas Day, I'm sure, on which one drinks the health of such an odious, stingy, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. You know he is, Bob. Nobody knows it better than you, poor fellow. My dear Christmas Day. I'll drink his health for your sake and the days, not for his. Long life to him. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. He'll be very merry and very happy, I have no doubt. And I say God bless him too, Mother, and everyone. nothing of high mark in all this. They were not a handsome family, these Cratchits. They were not well-dressed. Their shoes were far from being waterproof. Their clothes were scanty and had known very likely the insides of a pawnbroker's. But they were happy, grateful, pleased with one another, and contented with the time. And when at last they faded... Scrooge had his eye upon them, and especially on Tiny Tim until the last. 
Then he called Scrooge made that night with a ghost of Christmas present. Down among the miners they went to labor in the bowels of the earth and out to sea among the sailors at their watch. Dark, ghostly figures in their several stations. Much they saw and far they went. And many places they visited. But always with a happy end. The spirits stood beside sick beds and they were cheerful. On foreign lands and they were close at home. By poverty and it was rich. In almshouse, hospital and jail. Where vain man in his little brief authority had not made fast the door and barred the spirit out. The spirit left its blessing. It was a long night. If it was only a night. And it was strange, too, that while Scrooge remained unaltered in his outward form, the ghost grew older. Clearly older. My life on this globe is very brief, Ebenezer. It ends tonight. Tonight? Tonight at midnight. Hark. The hour has come. Oh, no, no, not yet. Not yet. There are still more things I wish to learn. These you will learn from still another spirit. Still another spirit, Ebenezer. Scrooge looked about him for the ghost that had vanished, and he found himself once more in his bed, in his dressing gown, and his nightcap on his head. He heard the clock strike, and then he remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley. And lifting up his eyes, beheld the third spirit. A solemn phantom, shrouded in black, draped and hooded, coming towards him slowly and silently like a mist along the ground. the ghost of Christmas yet to come. You will show me the shadows of things that have not happened, but will happen in the time before us. Answer me, spirit. Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any specter I have seen. Yet I know your purpose is to do me good, as I hope to live to be another man from what I was. Lead on. Lead on. Night's waning fast. Time's precious. Spirit. William, have you brought me here again? Here to Bob Cratchit's home? But it's not the same. Why, why is it so quiet? So very quiet here. <laughs> Mother. Mother, please. Oh, my son. My little son. Tiny Tim. I loved him so. Oh, Mother, dear, you mustn't. It's almost time for Father to be home. Don't let him see you crying. Yes. Yes, Mother. He's late tonight. He walks slower than he used to. And yet I've known him to walk very fast indeed with tiny Tim on his shoulders. So have I, Mother. But he was light to carry. And his father loved him so that it was no trouble. No trouble at all. Bob. Good evening, my dear. You're late, Bob. Yes, I'm sorry, my dear. I went to the churchyard today. I wish you could have gone with me. It would have done your heart good to see how sweet and green a place it is. 
But you'll see it often. I promised him. Yes, I promised Tiny Tim we'd walk there on a Sunday. Father, dear, it's God's will, Bob. I'm trying to understand it, my dear. My son, my little son, Tiny Tim. And I loved him so. Oh, that's cruel. Cruel. Spirits. Can't you give me one ray of hope that I may change all that? The tiny Tim may live. cheap funeral for Pondman life. I don't know anybody to go to it. Suppose we make up a party and volunteer. I don't mind going if a lunch is provided. <laughs> <laughs> you know, come to think of it, I'll wait till I was his best friend. What? We used to nod to each other when we met in the street. <laughs> Spirit, tell me, who is this man that died? Is there no one to mourn the poor creature? No one to follow him to the grave. Perhaps they'll give him a green grave, at least like poor tiny Tim. Perhaps... Where are we now? Merciful heaven, a churchyard. Overrun by grass and Choked with too much burying. Desolate. Lonely. Crumbling grave. Before I draw nearer to that gravestone, answer me one question. Are, are these shadows of things that will be, or, or are they shadows of things that may be only? Huh? Will, will you not speak to me, Spirit? What is that grave to which you point? writing on that stone. The name on the gravestone is Ebenezer Scrooge. I'm home in my own bed. 
my own room. And the sun. The sun's shining. It's clear. It's bright. No fog. What a beautiful day. Glorious. The boy. Oh, boy. Yes, sir. Boy, what's the day? What's that, sir? Well, what day is it, my fine fellow? Then I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. All in one night. Heaven be praised. How's that, sir? <laughs> Listen, my lad. Uh, you know where the poulterer is in the next street? I should say I do. Ha! Intelligent boy. A remarkable boy. Tell me, do you know if they sold the prize turkey that was hanging in the window? What a delightful boy. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, my buck? He's hanging there now, sir. That's wonderful. Go around, will you? And tell him to send it to Bob Cratchit and his family on Broad Street. And mind you, they're not to know who paid for it. Go on, hurry, hurry, my lad. Here, wait a minute. Here's half a crown for your trouble. And a Merry Christmas to you, my boy. Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm as light as a feather, as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. Merry Christmas. <laughs> a Merry Christmas to everybody. A Happy New Year to all the world. How do you do? I, I beg your pardon. Well, you, sir, aren't you the gentleman who came to my office in regard to that charity? Why, yes, sir. A Merry Christmas to you. Uh, yes, sir. Allow me to ask your pardon, sir. And will you have the goodness to accept? I prefer to whisper this. But, but Lord bless me. My dear Mr. Scrooge, are you serious? If you please, no, not a farthing less. <laughs> a great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. <laughs> Will you do me that favor? Oh, my dear sir, I don't know what to say to such munificence. No, don't say anything, please. Come and see me. Will you, will you come and see me? I will, I will indeed. Ah, <laughs> thank you. I'm much obliged to you. I thank you 50 times. Bless you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Next morning, Scrooge was early at his office. He went early for a reason. If he could only be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late. That was the thing he'd set his heart upon. And he did it. Yes, he did. The clock struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past, no Bob. Scrooge sat with his door wide open that he might see him come in. At last he came. His hat was off before he opened the door. His comforter, too. He's on his stool in a jiffy, driving away with his pen as if he were trying to overtake 9 o'clock. 15 at 21, 6 and carry the 1 and 24 and carry the 2, 31 and 8 and 9. Hello, you, Cratchit. Yes, sir. Step this way, Cratchit, if you please. Cratchit, what do you mean by coming in at this time of day? Well, I'm very sorry, sir. I am behind my time. You are, yes. <laughs> 
Yes, I think you are. Oh, it's only once a year, Mr. Scrooge. It should not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. I'll tell you what, my friend. I'll not stand this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, Bob Cratchit, I'm about to raise your salary. Mr. Scrooge, are you quite yourself, sir? No. No, thank heaven. I'm not quite myself. Merry Christmas, Bob. <laughs> Merry Christmas, my good fellow. A merrier Christmas than I've given you in many a year. I shall raise your salary, and we'll see what we can do for Tiny Tim and the rest of your family. Huh? <laughs> we'll discuss it this very afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking bishop. Bob, make a fire. Make it up, and buy another coal scuttle before you dot another eye, Bob. was better than his word. He did it all, and infinitely more. To Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh, and little heeded them. His own heart laughed. That was quite enough for him. He had no further intercourse with spirits, but lived upon the total abstinence principle ever afterwards. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us. Of all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. just heard our annual presentation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, starring Lionel Barrymore, brought to you by the makers of Campbell's Soups. And now, here is Orson Welles. Ladies and gentlemen, at this point in the program, it's my custom, as you know, to present you with a few words of introduction, our guest of the evening. With your consent, I shall dispense with this tonight. To introduce tonight's guest to the Campbell Playhouse audience, or to any American audience, is an extravagant and superfluous procedure. For if ever an actor has won for himself a lasting place in the hearts of his fellow countrymen through years of unsparing and inspiring service, that actor is Lionel Barrymore. Mr. Lionel Barrymore. Oh, thank you, Orson Welles. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, this is the fourth year I've had the pleasure of appearing in the Christmas Carol here on the Campbell Playhouse, and I assure you all it's a pleasure that never tires. As long as I can remember, this has been one of my favorite stories. When we were children, it was read to us regularly at this time of year, as it is to many millions of children right now. And like many of them, I'm sure, the three of us, Ethel, Jack, and I, with the aid of a sheet and some old ironware, made a play of it. As I remember, we had three Scrooges in that production. Uh, who played Tiny Tim? I think we had three tiny Tims, too. But seriously, 
I can think of no part that I've enjoyed playing again and again as much as I have the part of that squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, Ebenezer Scrooge. And I can think of no happier or more suitable choice for the makers of Campbell's soups to offer the people of America as their Christmas present each year than Charles Dickens' well-beloved story, A Christmas Carol. Good night, Orson. Good night, everybody. And a merry, merry Christmas to you all. Good night to you, Mr. Barrymore. Thank you, sir, and a merry Christmas to you. Ladies and gentlemen, next Sunday night, we're happy to announce our version of a great and truly American story by a great American novelist, Come and Get It, by Edna Ferber. Against a background of the mighty forests of Miss Ferber's own Wisconsin, it tells a stirring tale of the men and women who live and die in the woods in order that lumber may come down the rivers every spring into the cities of the modern world. Like so many of Miss Ferber's epic romances of American life, it was made from a best-selling novel into a highly successful motion picture. Now we bring it to you on the air. The story of a man and his son and the girl they both loved, Lotta. Lotta, played for us by one of the loveliest and most accomplished of Hollywood's younger dramatic actresses, Miss Frances D. And so until next week, until come and get it, my sponsors, the makers of Campbell Soups, and all of us in the Campbell Playhouse remain as always obedient to yours. But just one moment, please, Benny. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, it's the night before Christmas. And all through the Campbell Playhouse, not a creature is stirring that doesn't join Lionel Barrymore in wishing you a merry, merry Christmas. This goes for all of us, from my sponsor, myself, or for all of us, from Don McBain, who runs the machinery in the control room, to Miss Helgren, who types the Campbell Playhouse scripts, a Merry Christmas. From Benny Herman and his band of Merry Melodians, Merry Christmas. From Max Tears, a canary-throated chorister... Christmas, and from Harry Esmond and Cliff Thorson and his crew of sound effect technicians, a Merry Christmas. And from Orson Welles and his considerable aggregation of dramatic talent, who include, among others, Mr. Everett Sloan, Mr. Frank Reddick, Mr. Erskine Sanford, Mr. George Kaloris, Mr. Ray Collins, Miss Georgia Beckett, Miss B. Benaderet, and many, many others, a Merry Christmas. How about it, everybody? A Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. That's right. And now, as Tiny Tim says... God bless us, everyone. The makers of Campbell Soups join Orson Welles in inviting you to be with us in the Campbell Playhouse again next Sunday evening when we bring you Edna Ferber's Come and Get It with Miss Frances D. as our guest. Meanwhile, if you have enjoyed our fifth annual presentation of A Christmas Carol, won't you tell your grocer so this week when you order Campbell's soups? This is Ernest Chappell saying thank you and a very Merry Christmas to you all.
Okay, folks, I hope you enjoyed it. This is, this is, um, we're sitting at the end now. <laughs> and, um, I had fun. I hope you guys had fun. And I hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Actually, I think we've got one more week to go, but, um, still, anyway, just in case I, uh, have a bad brain moment next week. I'll go ahead and wish you a Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, but I just want to uh, invite you to make contact with us. Um, if you if you want to contact um, Victor on Twitter, uh, it's called at Blind Who's B L I N D W H O S E. <clears throat> if you want to email him, he at, he is at whose blind life is it anyway at gmail.com. On Facebook, he's whose blind life is it anyway. And on YouTube, same thing. Um, if you want to contact me, on Twitter, I am Marnie60, M-O-N-N-I-60. Facebook, I'm just simply Monica Jones. My email is coffeegal62, C-O-F-F-E-E-G-A-L-6-2, at gmail.com. See you next week. Have a good one. <laughs>